0: This is TK331, a Star Wars EU slash Legends podcast. I'm Crystal, a Star Wars enthusiast, but I've never read a thing I liked that I couldn't complain about a little bit.
1: And I'm Thomas, a Star Wars completionist who has previously read the entirety of the EU. And
0: for the next entry in our slog through mid-90s EU,
1: we are reading... The New Rebellion, written by Christine Catherine Rush and published by Bantam Spectra in December 96. This is. Christine Catherine Rush's only Star Wars novel. She has written several novels, novellas, and short stories across various series and genres. She has written Star Trek, X-Men, The Diving, and the Fae Universes. The New Rebellion does a good job of connecting to earlier Star Wars books like The Crystal Star and The Callisto Chronicles. However, certain plot points don't match up as well with the Black Fleet Crisis. This is probably because even though the New Rebellion takes place after the Black Fleet Crisis concludes, it does come out before Tyrants Tested.
0: Just mind-meltingly. Dumb <laughs> the whole not organized, disorganized.
1: Yeah. It's things became much more organized under Delray in the late nineties, early two thousands, and has continued to today.
0: So in this story, millions of people are dying while the Senate Hall is bombed. Who is behind both atrocities remains a mystery? Han, Luke, and Leia all venture out into the galaxy to try to stop the killing, while Lando has to go to Smuggler's Run for Han, a place where he knows he's not welcome because of a large bounty on his head.
1: So, well, not a perfect trilogy, you seemed more positive on the Black Fleet Crisis than several of the books and series that came before it. How are you feeling heading into a one-off story by our brand new author?
0: Just kind of blah. Yeah? Even though Black Fleet Crisis as a whole, was like... It wasn't terrible, and it wasn't great. I think I've figured out that I would rather the book be like terrible and interesting than mediocre and nothing.
1: Especially with a, frankly, disappointing ending. That was, I think, the series' biggest flaw, was how everything wrapped up. Yeah. It was too rushed, the Imperial showing up, or too unconnected, the vagabond.
0: Just generally speaking, like, my... My energy is low. My hopes are dashed. This book was, is is long, so very. like I, it was nice to the idea that I was going to read a one off was nice. But the idea that that one off was like 530 pages long, and the print was really small was not very nice. So I just kind of gritted my teeth and went into it. Okay. What about you? How many times have you read this book, and were you looking forward to reading it again?
1: I've probably read this, so I, I kind of put this book and the Black Fleet Crisis on similar levels for different reasons, but to me, both are too long, too hard just to read, but both have some really interesting ideas, cool concepts, some strong characterization, but just not everything comes together well in the end. Mm-hmm. So as a result, like Black Fleet Crisis, this is one that I have not returned to multiple times, the way I have X-Wing or Thrawn, but I have read it more than once my best guess five six seven times probably
0: oh my god
1: and that's spread out over almost 30 years that's not spread out enough and frankly probably a lot of those were in the 90s early 2000s
0: yeah god i can't imagine bothering to read this book again
1: let's put this way since i graduated college i've read this book twice
0: wow so once just now And once on your previous... After
1: Disney bought the... Yeah. After Disney bought Star Wars. Yeah.
0: Well, I'll never read it again. Not because it's a terrible book, but... It's just too long. Not to spoil too much of my feelings up front. I just think it's mediocre. Yeah. (laughs) You want to talk about
1: the cover? Looking at the book on the right side, we have Luke, Leia Han, just their faces... Luke and Leia both come looking up, and Han is looking with a side eye towards the like reader, over,
0: slightly over his shoulder toward the reader, but looking doofy and sort of
1: surprised. And that's like the, the ha- half of the cover. On the left half of the cover, there is a skull. I believe that is the Death Mask we see so often in the book.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of ghostly and transparent in the background. And then at the bottom, there are some stormtroopers.
1: And then also in the background, there are a few X-wings just kind of flying around.
0: Yeah, and the. Uh, because I guess they were going through a phase of having little cover blurbs. Mm-hmm. The cover blurb is, The New Republic faces a holocaust unequaled in galactic history.
1: Based on the number of people who die in this book, that... I don't
0: think that's true. I think more people died under the Empire, by a long shot. I
1: think over the course of the Empire, yes, but all at once, this, this might take... Aldoran. I mean, there are multiple planets in this book that are destroyed.
0: They're not destroyed.
1: Well, the people are killed, so I should say.
0: Yeah, but every time the Empire came in and decided to strip mine a planet, they either like turned all of the people there into slaves or they killed them all. Yeah, and that happened constantly. I want to say like probably hundreds or thousands of times. Yeah. So I think this blurb is too big for its breaches. All right. <laughs> all right. Should we? Should we get into it? Let's do it. Rip the bandaid off. A man who calls himself Kuler is on the planet Almania. He is on the roof of a tower built by the once powerful Jahar and wears a death's head mask, which is currently on a chain around his neck. He's been wearing it since he destroyed the Jahar. Good for him. He knows that Skywalker will feel that disturbance in the force.
1: Brachis is here, too. On the podcast, we, of course, first met him back in I, Jedi. This was Stackpole connecting to this book. Brachus goes to Kuler without being summoned and says he needs to know if it worked. And Kuler says, you'll know when it works, because he's a creepy, weird, spooky force dude. Brackis, for four, four sense, of course, then feels it in the force. And Kuler is satisfied and puts his mask back on.
0: Bracchus says that he's going back to Telty. Kuler requires the remote first, so Bracchus hands it over. Brackis then asks what Kuler wants to do. He says to destroy Skywalker, just like Skywalker tried to destroy them. How
1: did Luke try to destroy them? Mm.
0: I mean, if they're Force sensitive and they're his former students, I could see his teaching methods being seen (laughs) as destructive. Fair enough.
1: Because,
0: I I don't think that's what the
1: author is going for.
0: (laughs) I don't think so either, but these unintentional happy coincidences are really all that I have (laughs) to keep me going. Luke is on Yavin 4 and meditating on one hand. R2, some boulders, and a half-rodded tree are all in the air around him. He's been like this for several hours, and he's been forcing all of his students to watch him do this for several hours, just waiting for one of them to get tired of watching him do this, which man, I two things. If I was here, I would have been out of there within like 15 minutes. Not because I don't have patience, but because I don't have patience for stupidity. Second, I think that Mara would be the same way. <laughs> at the first sight of annoyance, he plans to lift whatever student is annoyed into the air. So I guess neither Mara nor I would get particularly far. But Mara would maybe kill him, which at this point would be a relief.
1: Then a wave of emotion hits him. It hurts worse than any injury he's ever felt before. And he falls over and worries that it's another Death Star. He then sees a vision of Leia's face. She is scorched, and covered in blood. He knows it's the future. Coruscant is okay for now. He'd know if she or the kids were in danger or dead. One of the students who felt this as well asked what happened, and he says millions of people died, all of them in great pain and with great suddenness. So Luke and R2 are leaving for Coruscant immediately. And you know what? After Luke going all hermit at the start of the Black Fleet crisis, it's refreshing for him to feel something bad happen and immediately decide to act on it.
0: But also, and I think we talked about this at the end of Tyrant's Test. It is weird to me that he's already back on Yavin mm-hmm. Four when it seemed like at the end of Tyrant's Test he was like, my you know primary residence is now going to be here with Leia and Han and the kids. But no,
1: it actually is kind of funny in Ambush of that that plot line is kind of picked up of like, he's like, I'm not really needed at the academy anymore. They're pretty self sufficient. Oh my god, uh, <laughs> I'm more of like a. Like we had an emeritus teacher, like stop it every now and then.
0: I mean, it is what it is, I guess.
1: It was you the know? 90s. They
0: didn't talk to each other.
1: Not uh, enough. There wasn't least. an
0: overarching plan. No. There wasn't a goal. They were all just like children who had a sandbox that they were allowed to play in. And they just sort of like built ridiculous creations and didn't care if it was cohesive. As
1: long as the sandbox, as long as things weren't. Upturned too much. As, as long someone. as George
0: continued to nod at the sandbox.
1: And, like, as long as you're like, you know, the kids continue to age, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's nice to see him. Something's bad happening. I'm going to go do what I can.
0: Yeah. Leia is with Mon Mothma and getting ready to go to the Senate Hall to start a new term. Several planets petitioned to allow former Imperials to serve as political representatives, and those. Former Imperials are now members of the Senate. Leia doesn't love it, which I think is the biggest understatement you've ever put in these notes. (laughs) Leia comes off like a hugely bigoted jerk in a lot of this book about this topic. Basically, like, if you were not pure enough to have given up your entire life and joined the rebellion and lived without toiletries for six years, you're the scum of the (laughs) earth and you shouldn't be part of my government. Was her attitude. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I think wariness with former Imperials at whatever level is warranted. Especially but like what she went through. She hates the fact that they are in her Senate. Yeah. Like, she sees it as her body. <laughs> Mon Mothma points out to her that they were elected fairly, but Leia says, this is wrong. This is how it all started before, which I still think is unfair, but so, Leia argued against their inclusion, but lost. Senator Mayette Lure from Exodine argued for it, saying that Leia herself even once worked for the Empire. Leia did win some concessions on this, notably that no stormtrooper no imperial of rank and no former imperial governor could hold office, all of which I think is reasonable.
1: Yeah, agreed. Absolutely, absolutely. Those, they should not be allowed in.
0: But, like, what do you say about people like Crix Maydean? You know?
1: He left early enough and helped the rebellion.
0: Is that the like that's her line, I yeah. guess.
1: Did you leave did you leave to help us? But I mean, for the like for the poor the poor HR, the poor data entry <laughs> person who's working under the Empire. Ah, uh, yes. The data pusher.
0: What do they call them in those certain point of view books? It's data something.
1: Analyst? No. No. I don't remember. But I know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah leia is worried that they will just try to destroy the new republic uh mon mothma tells her someday we must move beyond the rebellion and into true government part of that is accepting those who lived under the empire but did not serve it
1: i totally get where Leia's come from but i am on team mon mothma in this yeah
0: book. so am i she has the i think she what helps is that she has a bigger scope than leia does for yeah. leia so much of her even her early life, her teenage years, were a fight against the Empire. Whereas Mon Mothma remembers the Old Republic, remembers the transition.
1: I, I also think part of it is Leia was always a soldier for so long, whereas Mon Mothma never truly was on the front lines the way Leia was. Yeah. And I think that also... Is, She's a negotiator. Yeah, that's another reason for their different perspectives on it.
0: Yeah. Like, Mon Mothma had to deal with people who disagreed with her before that disagreement meant they were shooting at each other. Yeah and leia now is having this very weird attitude of like everybody who's in the senate has to agree with me on these things and if they don't hang them for treason
1: <laughs> as they're about to get to the senate leia has a vision and collapses as she also feels the deaths and she calls luke and he she asks what happened and he just has one word alderaan and i absolutely love this response he just has one thing and instantly he lets both Leia and the reader know not only something terrible happened, but how terrible the magnitude. Like it's it might be his it's one of the best just one liners ever, I feel like, in the EU. Like it's such a perfect descriptor.
0: Okay. If you say so.
1: I I, I think how well it works. Like
0: It's fine. I just don't think it's exceptionally good as a one-liner. <laughs> Luke also says that he'll be there soon. Leia decides to still go to the Senate but asks for the guard to be doubled. Mon Fair. Mothma asks her what she's afraid of. Leia says she doesn't know, maybe another Death Star or Sun Crusher, something that could destroy them all. Meanwhile, Han is in the casino where he won Dathomir years ago, and it's his first time back since then. It's changed hands at least 15 times in that period. It's now called the Crystal Jewel, but of course, it still looks the same, seedy, run-down, smelly. It's kind of bliss.
1: He's meeting an old friend of his named Drill. Han asks Drill why he wanted to meet, and Drill says that he has an opportunity for Han. But Han, he's not really interested. He's like, "Dude, I why would I be interested? Because in, Drill's an old smuggler friend." And Han's like, "I've been out of the game I'm for out. so long. <laughs> why would I be interested in this?" Drill then says he wants help. He said that there's been lot tons of money to be made in the last few months on, at a place called Smuggler's Run, a, one of Han's old. Uh, Haunting grounds.
0: You're combining haunts with stomping grounds. I am. It's one or the other, bud.
1: <laughs> I like haunting grounds.
0: <laughs> is Han a ghost? <laughs> then he doesn't have haunting grounds.
1: <laughs> At first, all the money coming in seemed wonderful, great. But then a few of the runners just kept kind of disappeared. They never came back. And so Han asks Drill, "Since when do smugglers run need legitimate help? Because Han is legitimate." And Drill says. It can't be legitimate. Han can go between the Smuggling World and the New Republic World. That's why he's come to him. Card won't touch this. And Dreesen sells a price on Lando's head, so he's out, as is Mara because of her past association with Lando. Therefore, Han is the only one. Han also has a past association with Lando, so I'm not quite sure why he gets the free pass, but Mara doesn't, but whatever.
0: Han asks Dr- I guess they're implying that Han and Lando never slept together. Which I think is a gross uh, misunderstanding of that
1: relationship. <laughs> Han and Lando or Lando and Mara? Uh,
0: both. Because <laughs> I think it's totally possible that Han and Lando have, like, had a thing in the past. <laughs>
1: I could easily see it for I Lando. Mean,
0: EU Star Wars is never going to go there. No, Just saying.
1: Han asks Drill why he hasn't looked into it himself, and Drill says that he is in too deep.
0: Wow. Only now that I'm reading the notes here do I realize why this next section is significant. Right? So I
1: I almost cut it off. I was like, but it makes sense.
0: Yeah. TDL 3.5 is a nanny droid who has shown up at the Solo residence. It tells 3PO that it's here to replace him as the nanny of the Solo children. Winter says that 3PO is not being replaced and that they didn't order a new droid. The twins and Winter all think that Anakin ordered it, but he says that he didn't. Winter is eventually able to get the droid to leave. Then all three children scream in unison. And I forgot all about this scene, and it never crossed my mind again. But now it seems like, wow, that was a targeted assassination attempt it via nanny droid. absolutely was. <laughs> uh, and it almost succeeded. Wow. You'll know what we're talking about later. <laughs> Or maybe you already do if you've read this book recently.
1: Kula asks about the destruction of Pydeer, and is told that 1,650,305 people are dead, exactly as planned. Which is terrifying to think about. One, that they can kill so much at once, and two, that they can plan for exactly that number and get it.
0: Meanwhile, Leia enters the Senate Hall, but as she begins to talk, an explosion rocks the hall, and Leia is flung back. She's injured really very injured, she doesn't realize how injured, and unsure if the attack came from inside or outside. She grabs a blaster from a dead guard and tries to get out while helping others.
1: And it's just the scene of absolute chaos, destruction, and death. Yeah. Maybe the most effective scene in the book? Maybe. Han and everyone else in the casino feels an explosion and they quickly head outside. And he and Jorill get separated in the chaos. And outside, everything looks fine. But then he sees medical personnel heading for the Imperial Palace, so he follows them because he is concerned. And at first, Han is relieved to see them bypassing the main entrance until he sees them heading for the Senate Hall. He's like, oh, this, this is bad. My wife is there.
0: Han finds Mon Mothma and asks about Leia, but Mon Mothma hasn't seen her. He sees a lot of dead bodies and droid parts as he heads inside looking for his wife. He eventually finds her helping a Luobum. Leia wants to keep doing more, but Han picks her up and carries her out to get medical attention. She's having a lot of difficulty hearing after being so close to the blast. Specifically, she can't hear
1: anything. Yeah. Drill Gar- runs to a hangar. His ship is the Spicy Lady, and he knows how hard it will be to leave. What a great ship name, right? Spicy Lady. <laughs> it's also a weird design, like part Falcon, part A-Wing. Yeah. It's a very distinctive. So he's trying to leave the planet before things get even worse. He gets inside, but there are, surprisingly stormtroopers in it but then he realizes no no no, these aren't real stormtroopers they're not true imperials they're just wearing his cargo because apparently he had stormtrooper cargo stormtrooper armor in his hold that's not weird he asks what they want with him and they say to silence you forever and shoot him that's fun were you concerned at this point no were you confused by the not real stormtrooper line no okay
0: It just didn't seem weird to me that, like, someone out in the galaxy might try to imitate the Empire to shake up the Republic, you know? Mm -hmm. And I felt, even at this point, that, like, someone, probably Kuler, I thought, was, like, starting to plant things, so...
1: If we hadn't seen the stuff from Kuler, would it have been a little more confusing? No. Okay.
0: I don't think so. Because, again, I don't think it's weird that... Some faction in the galaxy is mad at the Republic and wants to imitate the Empire to kind of unsettle them. Luke arrives at the medical center. He had to get special clearance from Akbar to even land on Coruscant because the planet is on lockdown. As he walks through, Anakin runs up and grabs his leg. Anakin is crying and Luke asks if Leia is okay. Anakin nods his head. Luke asks him, then what is it, little Jedi? Before Anakin can say anything, the twins run up, also clearly
1: upset. Luke then realizes that they all felt it. And Anakin then asks a very strange question and asks if they hurt Mama. And this really surprises Luke, and he asks how they could have hurt her. And they say that they felt something cold. So they joined hands, and they tried to beat it back by making the room warm. And then the building shook, and their Mama almost died. And Luke tells them that they did the right thing by creating warmth and promises their actions did not hurt their mother. Luke tells them they felt a lot of people die and part of being a Jedi is feeling death on a grand scale. It rips the fabric of the Force for an instant. He says that sending heat was brilliant, like sending love, and he wishes he had thought of us. And This is such a sweet scene between him and the kids. I really like that.
0: It. Yeah, it's nice. They get to Leia, Han, Chewie, and Winter, who are all around Leia. Leia still can't hear well, but Han says her hearing should return in a few days. Winter takes the kids away so they don't hear all the details. 25 senators died, 100 more were seriously injured, and another 100 were hurt as well, plus support personnel and droids.
1: Second time droids been brought up.
0: It's true. They don't even know what kind of bomb was used. Han says Leia thinks the Imperials in the Senate did it, but he's also not sure about that.
1: He's like, some of them were hit (laughs) too.
0: He tells Luke about jor and that he looked for him but couldn't find him. Luke says he saw a ship similar to Jeryl's, leaving Coruscant just as he arrived, basically using Luke opening the planetary shield to slip out.
1: Isn't this a multiple planetary shield? I feel like that doesn't work on Coruscant.
0: I feel like it doesn't work for a lot of reasons. The biggest being, when you're in space, and there are a bunch of, like, either not very much stuff is around. Like, why... <sighs> It's just surprising that they would have passed close enough to visually see each other. This is what I'm getting. <laughs>
1: Slash for Jaril to be the right spot where Luke was coming in.
0: Yeah. But I guess. To be able to take advantage of that. If
1: they knew where ships would be funneled through.
0: Of course, it wasn't actually Jarrill. Right. We he's, know. He's dead. But somebody.
1: Yeah. In his ship. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the lighter side of things, Luke's X-Wing is being upgraded and R2 is not happy about it. He is downright mad. And Zweepio tells them that it's just routine maintenance. All X Wings are have been recently upgraded. As they get to the hangar, the mechanics grab them when they get too close. Because the mechanics in this book hate droids. They went to the Wedge Antilles school.
0: They did. Well, I think they're also using droids, but only like cleared droids. Like yeah. with security clearance.
1: Not a couple of old fossils.
0: So, Keeler is on Deer and there are stormtroopers with him. The moon's wealth was the stuff of legends. Almania had envied them for generations for it. Femon, one of Keeler’s underlings, says she doesn't understand why the Emperor never did something like this. He was so destructive. Keeler says that Palpatine never found a clean way, and maybe didn't care to. He sometimes thinks that Palpatine was less interested in power than in destruction itself. Femon wants to do Coruscant now. Everything is ready. Whatever that means. But Kuler says, Patience. Timing is everything.
1: Lando has recently dropped Mara off at the Miner's Cluster for uh, for her to hook back up with Card. And afterwards, he comes across the Spicy Lady just drifting in space.
0: Convenient.
1: Right? I went back and tried to figure out exactly how he found this, and...
0: He just happened to be in the right place at the right time.
1: Yeah. It's the Force. Right? It's like hyperspace. He scans it, but there are no life signs. And he has, of course, recognized the ship, because, again, it is so distinctive. And Lando is able to connect to it and sees inside via the internal holograms. And he sees Jarrell's body floating in the cockpit and a stormtrooper helmet floating in the galley. So he decides to tow the ship to Kessel. Because apparently he still has his operation there? Or at least something there?
0: And he's still been working with Mara on it. Yeah. He does have this interesting, like internal dialogue in this section about how like he's he's still working with mara but he has a hard time with her and sometimes they need to get away from each other <laughs> uh, still bummed about how that relationship happened and then played out like i genuinely think it could have been an interesting diversion for both of them and instead it just sucked i'm sorry anyway The surviving senators meet in an informal gathering. Leia has been resting for two days, but is present. She gives an update on the investigation. They had to first make sure that no one was trapped under the rubble before the investigation even got underway. Everyone is being looked into, even the people who died.
1: Some present call Leia's leadership into question. Good leadership wouldn't have allowed this to happen. They assert. Because, yes, it's Leia's fault the Senate Hall was bombed.
0: I mean, I think the logic here is that good leadership would have been able to prevent such an attack, but the truth is, like...
1: You can have the best leadership and bad things can still happen.
0: You can have the best leadership and the best security and all of this stuff, and somebody who's clever enough can still get around it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think some of the the new Imperials are kind of the ones who are yeah, asserting are. this. And it's like, y'all... Calm down. We did so much stuff to you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So much, like, it was Palpatine not a good leader to you? Would you have said that to him? (laughs) Anyway.
1: Senator Amito, one of the former Imperials who are now in the Senate, wants an independent investigation to happen as well, apart from the official one. So, they hold a vote, and with mostly junior senators present, it passes by a large margin. Leia isn't happy. She knows the reports from the two investigations will not be the same. And on the one hand... I get why you want an independent one. On the other hand, being led by these yahoos, I'm like...
0: It's mm, not independent. Yeah. If you put together, in danger of sounding like we're going to get mired in bureaucracy here, (laughs) put together a committee that is made up of...
1: I am not a committee!
0: ...a multitude of viewpoints, have them run the investigation. I mean, I think Leia's misstep here was getting the investigation going under her own steam without taking that step. You know?
1: Yeah. Well, I don't think she even she was the one really in charge of that because she was recovering.
0: Sure. But one of her lieutenants really should have yeah. thought about that. Luke goes into the bombed hall. In the force, he realizes that it isn't one large explosion, it's several small ones instead. He then feels the taint of one of his former students. Brackus. Dun
1: dun. The mechanics are able to confirm R2 and 3 P's identity. And if we're up to the mechanics, they would be recycled because they are just so old. (laughs) But they let them see the X-Wing and then tell them to go. And R2 films the entire thing. The ship is completely taken apart, but it should be back together in two days. So they say. And R2, again, white hot mad.
0: And like upset, yeah, it's sad. This is his friend, yeah. Like there's the, a
1: sh- there's a computer on the ship that he talks with, and they've because
0: kept... they're so eccentric. Because the memories haven't been wiped. Because all of these like r- routine maintenance things have not happened. Like R two and the ship have a kind of like interlinked personality, yeah. And so like they murdered his partner. <laughs> it's kind of what happened here.
1: <laughs> I mean, he has every right to be upset about this. Yeah. Han wants to go looking for Drill. Leia doesn't want him to go, though. He's convinced that Drill is connected to the bombing while she isn't. He says if he stays here, he's just going to be useless. And she says, You're never useless, Han. Leia knows that Han needs to go to try and find out what's going on. So what he does. But their biggest concern is what to do with the children. Because remember the Black Fleet crisis? They decided after Crystal Star, they always want the children with them. But given the extenuating circumstances, they do decide. That since the base on Anoth has been rebuilt since the Jedi Academy Trilogy, the children can go there and visit their childhood home for a little while while Han goes out.
0: And Winter will go with them.
1: Yeah, they'll have Winter. And I'm actually okay with this decision. Are you?
0: I just feel like it's weird to me that they put them on Anoth, which is a known location.
1: Anoth feels weird, but since it's been rebuilt and now it has presumably been reinforced with security and... While it's known, most don't know about it. It's still a small... Like, it wasn't broadcast to the world. Oh, no, their children were staying on and off, I feel like.
0: I would think that, like, pretty much everybody would know by now. I I just think it it doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: Everyone who knew on the Imperial side died.
0: (laughs) I guess. Did they? Everybody?
1: They all died.
0: Okay. Maybe it's fine then. I don't know.
1: Because Karita was destroyed.
0: But if it's been rebuilt, lots of contractors have been in yeah, and out no, of there. I... Like there's there's so many possibilities for security leaks here.
1: There, there are, I agree. But if they feel it's the safe place.
0: You agree, but you think I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you're wrong. Okay. Lando goes through the spicy lady. He finds a single stormtrooper glove, a laser cannon, and pieces of a sensor jammer, but no credits, jewels, or spice.
1: Which is weird for a smuggling vessel.
0: Lando owes Jorill for smuggling him out of Smuggler's Run right under Nandreessen's nose, but never had a chance to pay it back. The ship manifest was deleted, but Lando is able to recover a message sent to Almania. It says, Cargo delivered. Fireworks spectacular. Solo knows. We can count on his involvement.
1: Eerie. Bracchus is one of Luke's failures he left Yavin 4. He actually arrived as an imperial spy, one of many who tried to infiltrate the academy. However, unlike a lot of others, he actually was force-sensitive, and Luke tried to train him and keep him from the dark side. And for a while, things went pretty well. Luke felt he was reaching him. Eventually, Luke sent Bracchus on a journey to find himself, similar to the cave on Dagobah.
0: Not really to find himself, to face himself.
1: Yeah. Markus emerged from it terrified and angry, and left the academy soon after.
0: R two and three PO get to Luke and tell him about the X wing and their whole ordeal. R two sadly shows Luke the ship's memory chips. <laughs>
1: Stole them from the crime scene. <laughs> so
0: sad. <laughs> Luke is confused. He didn't agree to having the X wing be disassembled.
1: Yeah, it's like what's going on. <laughs> Leia is meeting with the Inner Council. They discuss the need to hold emer- if they need to hold emergency elections or not. Since the term just began, many feel that they need to happen, and Leia isn't thrilled with this. She's worried more former Imperials will be elected, but she also knows that emergency elections for those killed or too injured to serve must happen.
0: FEMON has lost faith in Kylo. His hesitation to continue the fight will be their downfall, in her opinion. Her family died six years ago when the Eye of Palpatine came by. There's too much Imperial power and weaponry still out there, and the New Republic will never go for the kill. Kuehler said the New Republic's inability to destroy its enemies was a fatal weakness. To him, it doesn't matter who rules the galaxy, so long as they do so with an iron fist. But Keuler, she thinks, is now showing the same weakness as the New Republic. He'll stay on Piedir for two days, enough time for her to take the decisive action that he has failed to take. None of that backstory ended up mattering, huh? No. I do not know why we see anything from her perspective at the beginning of this book. She gonna die soon. spoilers (laughs) (laughs)
1: spoilers <laughs> <laughs> Luke goes to the maintenance bay with R2 and a boy is there not really a boy but a,
0: a young man
1: he looks like Luke did in A New Hope
0: yeah you know like an 18 year old
1: and he says that this is a restricted area and Luke says he's looking for his X-Wing and was told it was here and the boy says well it's being worked on all X-Wings are being upgraded per orders from General Antilles Luke says who he is and the kid's like oh okay okay. your X-Wing's over here sir and he tells Luke all about the upgrades. They are apparently combining the computer system and an astromech into just one complete system. It had been tried before, but it never worked until recently when the tech became advanced enough. All X-Wings that come in are getting the upgrade.
0: This sure does sound like something that Wedge, Droid, Hater, Antilles <laughs> would order. Right? Finally, he can get rid of those pesky astromechs.
1: Talk His like, dream. You like a Scooby-Doo villain. I mean... What a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) They get to the ship, and it's been completely taken apart, and Luke says he needs it, and asks if he's ready by this afternoon. And the boy is like, well, the upgrade will take at least another day to finish, if not more. And Luke says, no, 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 I don't want it. Restore my X-Wing to the original condition. And the kid's like, I can't do that. I've got orders. Luke's like, I'll take care of Wedge. Just put it back how it was. I know him
0: personally. I'll just take him out real quick.
1: For now, He'll take an un X-Wing and just put the memory chips in that ship but the boy says there aren't any. Every single X-Wing that comes in here gets the new upgrade. And Luke's like, fine, I'll take the new X-Wing. And since R2 will no longer fit, he's going to stay here and help you put my ship back together. <laughs> the boy introduces himself as Coolfar Dreamer, and apparently he is also from Tatooine and kind of looked up to Luke and the reason why he's here. He promises to get the X-Wing restored to how it was as soon as possible. Why this is important, you ask? We'll get to that.
0: Yeah. It's a lot of setup. It's about 350 pages of setup.
1: It's kind of like Black Fleet Crisis. A lot of setup. A lot yeah. of interesting setup, but too much of it. Yeah.
0: Han arrives at Smuggler's Run. It's located in an asteroid belt. So he heads for a particular hollowed out asteroid called Skip One. Han is greeted by some old friends Kid Dixalin, Zine Afit. Sinewy on blue. I think the Sinewy part is like a descriptor but it's capitalized. It's weird. Winnie and Cellus.
1: Winnie is a Wookiee who has a thing for Chewie, and Celus is a Celestin.
0: They all think that he's going to bring in the New Republic to arrest them, but he says he's just here at the invitation of an old buddy. Celus isn't happy, so Chewie picks him up and drops him. Celis then pulls out a blaster and fires it at Han. Cut
1: to a different scene.
0: More about that in a moment.
1: Were you worried about Han?
0: No, he has plot armor. <laughs> He'll be fine.
1: When we get to the next book, just forget about plot armor. Enjoy the peril that characters go into.
0: I mean, I can enjoy it better knowing that they have plot armor. Okay. Actually, you know what? Some of them I kind of wish would die at this point. <laughs> just because they don't appear to have any other use.
1: <laughs> Lando has been trying to call Coruscant, but no one is answering. He calls Yavin 4, and Streen tells him that Luke has gone to Coruscant. He's like, well, that, that's not useful. So he calls Mara instead, and she asks what's wrong. Card is with her, and he says he can't contact anyone, and he's apparently been out of the loop, and not hear, heard anything. He, so she tells him all about the b- bombing, but adds that Leia and the rest are okay. Lando then thinks about the fireworks special, he realizes like, "Oh, that's about the bombing. This looks bad," and he asks Talon. The book calls Card Talon from Lander's perspective, which feels
0: ah, oh, they're such good buzz. Bizarre, yeah.
1: Card is card. Yeah. It's kinda like calling mom Moth Mamon to me. It just it feels yeah. very awkward.
0: I mean, how can you call a person who's not like a Rito Talon? You know? Yeah. Like it seems like a name for a bird person. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that it's his name. It's not his name. Some people go by their last name he, and Card is one of them. He renamed himself.
1: Yeah. He asks Talon what Gerald has been up to. And Card says he hasn't worked with Jorill for two years, and then says that Lando should go to the run. Run being Smuggler's run, of course. And Lando says he can't, but he also realizes the card has more to say, but he doesn't want to say it over an open line. So for now, Lando's like, fine, he's going to go to Coruscant directly and talk to Han.
0: Kuler goes to confront Femon. He says they aren't ready, and this will invite disaster. She says his way loses them the advantage. He didn't expect her betrayal, but he thinks that he should have foreseen it. She's so passionate and needed this to succeed. So he turns to the guards and tells them to rescind the order and then force chokes her to death. Why did we care about how she was related to the Eye of Palpatine? We really didn't, because she's dead now.
1: I think it was just the author's way to connect to previous stories. Why bother? Like I said, she does a good job of connecting to earlier stories. Not so much Black Fleet Crisis, but before that, it connects well.
0: It's not really connecting. It's just mentioning. In passing, like gently reminding the reader, this happened. And the reader's like, I'm trying to forget about that. (laughs) We're trying to move on and have a nice time. But you're going to be one of those authors, aren't you?
1: The shot misses, but ricochets and graces Hans Buttock.
0: They do specify that it's his talk in yeah. the book. <laughs>
1: it's not but our wording.
0: For me, for the rest of the time, I will say Han got shot in the butt. <laughs> I think that's hilarious.
1: Why me we mummy returns? Yes. <laughs> Han has an angry outburst, which convinces all of them that this is the same old Han they knew years ago. Fair enough. They then ask, why are you here? And he says, it's what I said earlier. Ask my little buddy. Jorill has disappeared after the bombing and I am looking for him. Apparently, Bratkis' last known address was on a planet called Mist.
0: There are no vowels.
1: M-S-S-T. Mist. I don't
0: think we have the apparatus to say that name.
1: Not correctly, no. So, Luke is missing R2 because he's he's all alone.
0: Doesn't have anybody to talk to. Sad.
1: No sassy droid in the back telling him what to do.
0: It does make me think about the time pretty recently when he kind of like left R2 behind for a while because he was flying that E-Wing. And then he was with... Akana? I was like, I've already forgotten her name. Is her name Anaka? No. She's not Hondo Onaka. (laughs) (laughs) Only she was. And I'm like, I don't know, you didn't have trouble leaving R2 behind then.
1: He was going all hermity. He remembers what Ben said about Anakin, about how strong Anakin was, and how he thought he could instruct him just as well as Yoda, but he was wrong. And Luke thinks that's similar to what happened with Brachus. He initially hoped that once Barakas saw the good in himself, he would turn to the light.
0: As he lands and gets out and starts to explore, he's attacked by large pink floating bubbles. They start stinging him. He thinks about how Anakin thought about making the room warm, so he channels heat into the bubbles, but they pop, spraying him with a pink goo. He collapses as it eats through his flight suit, numbing him, and he thinks, is this really the way that I'm going to
1: die? Which I thought was hilarious. (laughs) On the one hand, they're kind of stupid. And so on the other hand, again, we can appreciate weird sci-fi things popping up. Like, this is, makes sense, but goo. it's kind of cool.
0: They actually remind me of, not that these are dangerous, but in Tears of the Kingdom, there are these creatures called bubble frogs that just blow bubbles at you.
1: Oh, I think I've to of them, yeah.
0: Yeah, they're, they're really big bubbles. As far as I can tell, they don't do any damage. But, like, that's what I'm kind of picturing. Just pink, <laughs> because the ones in Tears of the Kingdom are blue.
1: Leia studies the election results at home and former Imperials now hold a simple majority in the Senate. She thinks the Senate is now a political body and not a place of colleagues.
0: This is what I was talking about earlier. Leia's like...
1: We're going to have different opinions and viewpoints and sides.
0: And I I get it. You don't want Nazis in your political party, body, whatever. You don't want Nazis in your political body. That's fair but some of these people are not necessarily Nazis. <laughs> some of them could be. Some of them could be.
1: But to assume all of them are. Yeah, is...
0: without feeling it out, without like taking the measure like without considering their actions since the empire has ended, like I don't, it just feels very like on the one hand it feels very true to Leia for mm-hmm. me, but on the other hand it really annoys
1: me. <laughs> I also feel like not yet but coming up there are certain Mito, who we already met, is going to. He, he acts kind of sketchy at times, but I, I get her mistrust after that point.
0: Yeah. But on the other hand, very recently, she was so excited to get so chummy with the Yavetha.
1: Yeah. Well, they hated the Empire.
0: But they did also have a very troubling culture.
1: They did. But they hated the Empire.
0: And that's just enough for her, I yep. guess. I mean, I think you could do some really interesting stuff with that idea with Leia. I just think the time to do it was probably more like seven years ago in the timeline. And it's not now. Yeah. Like, I'm really surprised she hasn't gotten past this by now. I feel like the time has kind of passed to explore that story. But, you know, it's the 90s.
1: Lando stops by and immediately asks, where's Han? Doesn't greet Leia, doesn't say hello, just says, where's Han?
0: Comes to her house. Barges through her front door.
1: And Leia's like, well, he's... Asks
0: for his (laughs) ex-boyfriend.
1: And Leia's like, he's not here. He's not on Coruscant. And Leia's like, we have to find him. It's critical. He then tells Leia what he found and shows her the note, and she's like, oh, this is bad. And the message was sent to Almania, and Leia says she's never heard of that planet. So I was like, alright, you know what? I'm gonna get Han. Tell me where he is. And Leia's like, he's at Smuggler's Run. And Leia's like, never mind, I can't go. And Andresen steals a price in my head. It was like, it's okay. We'll find someone else. And I was like, no, no, no. Not enough time. I'll go. I will do this. I will risk my life.
0: I owe him for Cloud City. Yeah. That was a million years ago. Surely the friendship has gotten over it by this point.
1: Just do it because you're his friend.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I, I do think. He says something like he's never going to be able to overcome that debt. Yeah. I'm like, why? uh, Han got a vacation.
1: (laughs) The guilt comp. I get feeling guilty over that.
0: He got to take a time out in the middle of a war for six (laughs) months, and he was perfectly safe and perfectly fine. Dead to the world, but perfectly safe and perfectly fine. (laughs) Well, it's not
1: just Han that's impacted. Think of how it impacted Leia and Chewie. Sure. I guess. I'll say this. I I think it's fine to have that as the reasoning, but regardless of reasoning, I do think... I I like that he wants to help Han so much in this book. That feels true.
0: I do, too, because there have definitely been times over the last year of content where I've thought... These people don't like each other. It, yeah, and it has the really unfortunate side effect that this has had is that I've looked back on the original trilogy with different eyes, and I've started to feel like they've never liked each other. You know, it's that whole thing where like you make friends in school just because you're in proximity to each other, and then you grow apart. After and then one. as soon as school is over and you no longer have proximity to each other, the friendship is over. Except that they're all still, like, they've been forced to be in proximity to each other for, like, 20 years at this point, And they don't like each other. And I hate I hate that interpretation. Like, I don't like that they're so often kind of, like, snippy with each other or mad at each other or there's conflict between them. So I do like that Lando's like, okay, he's my friend. I'm going to go save him. <laughs> yeah.
1: Lots of issues with this book, but I, th- I do think she gets the characters very right most of the time.
0: I do, too. Even Leia's hatred of former Imperials. R2 is supervising Cole while he rebuilds the X-Wing. It's taking longer than Cole initially thought it would. In the ship's computer system, he finds something troubling. A small part with an Imperial insignia on it.
1: That shouldn't be there.
0: For multiple reasons. (laughs) It's buried so deep that only whoever had originally assembled the part would know it was there. Cole isn't sure if it's unique to Luke's ship or not examining it closely he sees that it's a detonation device it's inoperative until a certain code is entered but when it is the ship would explode so troubling on two levels right bad that there's something imperial in the ship but also why on earth would an imperial advertise that they're there it's
1: i think pretty clearly a red herring
0: yeah yeah too much of one yeah it's too obvious once you realize who's behind all of this, which I think we already have a good idea, is like Kuler, Brackis, Eamon, et cetera, et cetera, You realize, and then you realize more about those people, you're like, oh, I understand why you thought that this would work. Because <laughs> they're not like, they're Wise. not like the smart, <laughs> they don't have the best wisdom and intelligence <laughs> scores.
1: Wait, spoilers, they aren't that old. Yeah. So they, they, they're they not very worldly.
0: Brachus' only high mental score is his charisma. And it's all related to how he
1: looks. (laughs) And I also feel like he's older than Kula.
0: Yeah, because he was with the Empire pre-Luke's Academy. Yeah, Yeah, and then he goes back to them. He leaves
1: Luke's Academy, etc. Like, when we saw him in I Jedi, he was not an old man, but he was an adult.
0: Yeah, like, firmly, and not a young adult. Mid-twenties? Yeah.
1: Maybe even thirty?
0: Or rather, not a new adult, I guess
1: I should say. Yeah, and... You know, Jedi Academy, when it was found at this point, was several years ago.
0: Yeah, many years ago. So he's really
1: in his mid-30s, if not 40 by now.
0: Yeah. Which makes it all the more galling that he fell in with Kuler. (laughs) Since Kuler is,
1: spoilers, a boy. (laughs) Luke wakes up to an older woman looking down at him. And she says that not many people survive the Mistmakers. Apparently that's what the bubble things are called. Mistmakers.
0: Though they allowed this one to have an eye in the spelling yes which makes you wonder why didn't they just name their planet mist mist, M-I-S-T instead uh, of
1: uh, star wars she apparently found him and put him in a back tank and it was lucky she was wearing her protective gear or he would be dead because she, without that she would not be able to touch him yeah
0: luke says he's looking for someone and she says well he found someone which is reminiscent of <laughs>
1: found someone you have with
0: yoda <laughs> He's looking for a man who was here when the Empire was, and she says that she knows who he is. She says, my son told me you'd come. So this is Brachus' mother.
1: She says he wasn't always bad. He was a good boy until the Empire took him away, and after that, he would return to visit, but he never really smiled again. And she asks if Luke is trying to bring him back to the Academy, and Luke says, yes, he has tried, but failed.
0: Brachus came here after that and then left Since then, she only saw him recently, and he said that Luke would be looking for him. She says that Bracchus wants Luke to find him, but she then tells Luke to go home and forget her son because there is no good left in him. But Luke disagrees and says that there is good, it's just buried very deep. She doesn't want to send Luke to his death because she knows that Bracchus wants to kill him, but Luke says he's been in danger before. Brachus' mother says, not like this, which made me really scoff. (laughs) Lady, come on. We can't have every threat be as bad as or worse than the previous threat. It simply doesn't work that way. Sometimes a threat that is just as bad as the previous threat or not even as bad can get lucky, though. We could just look at it from that point of view of like, Luke, the more times you kind of spin the the roulette wheel the more likely it is, regardless of how powerful you've become and how much less powerful this person is than Palpatine, that you will still get seriously maimed and or murdered. (laughs) Like, it's possible, always.
1: And actually, I think the author at some point does realize that because at some point she says that, like, what the power Luke is feeling is the greatest power level he's felt in a living being since Palpatine.
0: Uh Because
1: he XR Kuhn's power level would have been significantly higher than this. So at least the author realizes that to a extent. But also, like, <sighs> of everyone that we've seen over the last several books, a lot of them have not been great and powerful force users. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the other reason why she says that. Because, like, Black Fleet Crisis, that was not a great and powerful force user.
0: Mm-hmm. There wasn't really an adversary
1: for Luke in Black Fleet Crisis. Right. Akana. <laughs> Admiral Daloth, not a great force user. Right. I, I think Sabayoth is the one that this feels the most weird. I, I think Sabayoth would should would be at least this yeah, powerful. Because Sabayoth
0: like had Luke whammied yeah. for a while.
1: So if it'd been like the most powerful since Sabaoth, I think I would have had no real issue with the power level I think this I book.
0: maybe would have had no issue with it until Kewler's mask comes off. Okay. And at that point I would have been like I mean, you're basically saying that this is the next Anakin Skywalker, like a young prodigy who's so powerful. And like, we we have too many of those already. In
1: the 90s, we didn't, though. That's true. We have to think. Part of you have to think about when this was written.
0: That's true. I do have a jaded 2020s view of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> you know what would be really interesting to me? If one of... Han and Leia's children was not particularly Powerful in the force You know because I feel like all of these Like dark side users who Are powerful so people like Bracus Kuler, Sabaoth etc Are almost like uh, They're almost like a counterpoint To like well you have very You have multiple skywalkers at this point Is what they're saying so we have to have Something Something to mitigate that But it would have been interesting if One of their offspring was not That powerful
1: So, in the uh, Legacy comics, which are set like 100 years in the future or something, one of their descendants is not versed in the Force, is what I will say.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Well, I'll probably end up liking that person. We'll see. Maybe not. I don't know anything about
1: them. (laughs) Seles comes to Han and Chewie privately. He says that Drill told him to shoot Han so the others would think that they were enemies. Han and Chewie, they're not really buying this story, especially not Han's buttock.
0: <laughs> Han's very mad about his buttock.
1: Salas says that most smugglers here are smuggling Imperial equipment and selling it for outrageous prices, and some people are dying because of it. Salas's comments do line up with what Drill had said, but Han still wonders how it's all connected to the bombing. And Salas says that three smugglers have tried to figure out who the buyer is, and all three have ended up dead. Drill was also trying to figure out who the buyer was and is now missing. Since Drill came to him, Han figures he could be next on the list to go.
0: Cole checks another reconditioned X-Wing, and there's a detonator in this one, too. He checks two more. They all have a detonator in them. Worried, Cole then checks one of the brand new X-Wings, so it hasn't been reconditioned. It was just built from scratch, and finds a detonator in that one. Also,
1: why built from scratch? Why is that the term? Do you scratch the X-Wing into existence?
0: I think, like, maybe referring to, like, scratch paper.
1: Oh, okay. I
0: don't know. That's just a guess. Unfortunately, and he knew this when he started poking his nose places he didn't belong, he's not authorized to work on the new X-Wings, so when someone sees him, guards are called over.
1: Rutro. <laughs> so, at this point in the story, we've caught, well, not console, but a few of heard of the name Nandresen in mm-hmm. regards to Lando. We finally get to meet this mysterious Nandresen. He's a glottal fib, or fib for short, and he has just returned to skip six at Smuggler's Run.
0: They must tell a lot of fibs.
1: Right? He's a loan shark, so you know who I'm picturing for this?
0: A shark. Like a a humanoid shark. Episode of Buffy?
1: Yes, episode of Buffy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... And apparently, Daryl recently paid back all of his loans... And that just leaves Andreessen very unhappy because he doesn't let people hang back loans. He wants them to be in his debt and owing him tons of money because that's how loan sharks work. Shelter pointed out, fibs are amphibious.
0: I, like, as previously established, am bad at visualizing stuff that I haven't, like, already seen. And so I was just picturing, once I figured out that they're, like, they're kind of, like, hanging out in a pond, like a self-built pond, I was just kind of picturing, like, frogs. Big yeah. frogs. <laughs> Big space
1: frogs. Recently, because everyone is becoming its money at the run, no one needs any loans from him anymore, and he's he's not happy. It's not just Drill, it's everyone who is paying him back or just not taking out loans anymore. He's like, the hell, guys.
0: He's told that Han is at Smuggler's Run. He knows that where Han goes, Lando will likely follow. Well, at least he thinks he knows that. <laughs> Since Cloud City, the two have joined forces during each Imperial threat. So
1: so we have an Imperial threat, apparently.
0: Apparently. Well, I mean, there's like Imperial gear involved, I guess. But yeah, thin, thin connections. Nan Teresa's drawing here, I mean, he turns out to be right. But like, I could easily see him having been wrong here. Oh, yeah. Lando arrives at the edge of the asteroid belt and sends messages to Leia and Mara. He then sends a legitimate cargo manifest to the run. It's the smuggler's equivalent of a Mayday signal.
1: Basically trying to have an excuse to come to the run without actually just going there on his own.
0: Yeah, like pretending he's in distress. Yeah.
1: Luke gets to Telty and sends his Brackus waiting for him. Brackus has surveillance equipment all over the planet and uses it to track Luke's movements. So he's just kind of sitting in his lair just watching Luke go by like a creeper. Brackus calls Kuler to let him know that Luke has arrived. And Brackus offers to kill Luke and Kuler's like, yeah, sure, go ahead, go for it, have fun, knock yourself out. He then also adds, but if you do somehow manage to kill Luke, I'm going to have to kill you, Brachus. And Brachus knows he's no match for Kuler. Right now, he's confident he will be someday. So he's like, all right, I'm not going to kill Luke. I won't do anything. For now, I'll just send C9PO to greet the Jedi Master.
0: Protocol droids have really moved on since 3PO. We're on 9PO, apparently. Han, Chewie, and Cellos go to skip five. Han wants to see the operation. It all feels so off to him. He's surprised by the size of the asteroid and how developed it is. He goes in while the other two stay on the Falcon. He's stopped by a man with blonde hair, but eventually gets past him.
1: For a moment, Han thinks this is a guard, but there are no guards here.
0: Yeah, and then he realizes he's caught in, like, legitimate ways of thinking. Like, there's going to be a guard on a smuggler asteroid belt. Like...
1: No. 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 Han smells Jawas, but doesn't think they ever left Tatooine, other than those who were kidnapped by the Eye of Palpatine. Which, this detail has always felt a little funny to me. Like, yeah, th- I know it's different continuity. but like the Mandalorian, all the Jawas we come across on different planets. Yeah, that feels more right than them just being on one desert planet.
0: I don't know. I always assumed that they were native to Tatooine.
1: True, but just like species spread,
0: they don't seem to have any interest in spreading. True. Like, I could easily see somebody extrapolating from just the original trilogy. Like, my interpretation was always that the Sand People and the Jawas were native to Tatooine.
1: And that's certainly the case in the EU.
0: And neither of them appeared to have the desire or capacity for spaceflight.
1: Tuskens especially.
0: So, I don't know. This still makes sense to me. I'm, I'm still grappling with, in Mandalorian, Jawas being elsewhere. Yeah. Like, it feels wrong to me. Okay.
1: He gets to a large cavern, and it is filled with sand, and it looks just like Ted Wien, except for, you know, the ceiling above. And there's even a sand crawler going across the dunes there. And he's like, what the what hell is going is on? <laughs> he even sees Jawas digging up and cleaning stormtrooper gear. And apparently there's just imperial equipment buried in the sand. He's like, "What? what? So Han himself starts digging, and he gets to the bottom. The sand and the equipment are clearly just, they've all been placed here for some purpose. He also knows Jawas love to fix equipment up and then barter it away. That's what they do. So Han thinks that this could just be a decent way to repair old equipment and then buy it back from them at a cheap price. My only issue, I feel like, with this plan is Jawas don't always do a great job. Like, they'll get it working, but there's a difference between working condition and battle-ready condition. Yeah. And for something like armor, I feel like you want it to be battle-ready rather than just in one piece. Well,
0: maybe the buyer. Doesn't care about it being 100%.
1: Guess not. But they care about it to do at least something with it.
0: Yeah. It needs to look convincing. Chewie shows up, surprising Han. Chewie saw three people follow Han, so he followed them, but they've disappeared. Then six fibs appear, and they know who Han and Chewie are. They say that Ned Dreesen wants to meet Han. The Sandcrawler comes by, and Han uses it as a distraction to run. The man Han first saw on Skip 5 pops up from under a coolant cover and calls Han and Chewie over. This was the golden-haired man, blonde-haired man. So they follow him under the the coolant cover and escape. His name is Davis. Davis confirms Han's theory about why the Jawas are here, but he doesn't know who is buying the equipment.
1: So someone is putting the equipment in here, letting the Jawas fix it up. The smugglers are taking it from the Jawas for a cheap price, and then someone is buying it from the Smugglers for an expensive price. Yep what a racket
0: what a convoluted like yeah if this was if this was my business i would just give up <laughs> you know like it's so much work for what feels like i don't know i guess it's a lot of money but it feels like very little reward <laughs> it just feels like so many steps who brought the jawas here is also the question like how did they transport the, the sand crawler? Crawler is the bigger
1: question to me like
0: i know that there's you know cargo ships that that could definitely fit on and stuff but like how did you get them here and then how did you keep them from like tearing your faces off until you set up their habitat for them and distracted them with shiny things
1: i think probably the habitat came first
0: probably it's just all of those just those steps alone to me seem so insurmountable that i would have been would have been like no i'm just gonna get a boring legitimate job that pays (laughs) Very little, but is not hard.
1: (laughs) C9PO gets to Luke and tells him to follow him. And while following, Luke asks how long Brackis has been here. And the droid says that it has memory erased many times and doesn't know. Luke shudders at the thought of memory wipes, but he at least has confirmation that Brackis is indeed here. Luke then asks how big the droid manufacturing plant is, and C9PO says that it encompasses the entire moon. So this is just one giant factory moon.
0: Yeah. The memory wipe thing always throws me off a little bit.
1: Throws Luke off, too.
0: It throws me off in this instance because I never imagined that the memory wipe was, like, so total that, like, after every time you do it, you have a brand new droid because that doesn't seem useful to me.
1: I think it depends. I, I, th- I think there are different levels of memory wipe. Uh-huh. Like, I think what wedged it to Minoc was a total wipe because he wanted something that screamed in his ear in battle, which... Because
0: he's a droid racist. Yes. Yeah.
1: But I also feel like there are some like that just like get rid of all the the memories that are causing it to have quirks and foibles and whatnot, like 3PO is, or R2 is. I just kind of put it back, put it back to its base program, but, but it still knows what to do, what's going on, and still is essentially the same droid.
0: I guess. The weird thing to me is just... I know I'm trying to apply too much real science mm-hmm. to the star Wars. I just don't think like even in an artificial intelligence that memory works like that, like memory isn't contained to one. If you, if you look at like mapping of AI, memory doesn't end up being contained to just like one little corner, right? It's not as simple as targeting a specific place to like stick a magnet on and wipe it. All of the other like functions are impacted by memory. I mean, it's Star Wars, so, yeah. like, I'm overthinking it. But it's just weird to me that this droid can't even say, like, how long it's been here. Like, you would think that that wouldn't be something that would be... Or how long Brachus has been here. Yeah. You would think that that wouldn't be... So... I mean, with the Bracus thing, I guess it might be purposeful, but... Yeah. They arrive at the assembly room, and Luke is sent in alone. 9PO is not allowed in. Brachus is there, waiting for him. You didn't put it in the notes, and I'm surprised because i was
1: trying to save time
0: i know but we got to talk about
1: luke's reactressing this beautiful man
0: yeah like luke thoroughly describes like how beautiful of a human being Brachus is like he's astonishingly beautiful or something it was it was just interesting
1: (laughs) it it felt kind of (laughs) gay
0: yeah i mean like I believe in a bisexual Luke Skywalker. Just, I didn't think that 90s EU writers did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was just funny. I it could, it could very well be that, like...
1: There are some people that are so strikingly handsome or beautiful you just can't help but think about when you first see yeah, them.
0: Yeah, like, that's what I was thinking. It's just that as I was thinking that, I was thinking, well, that's my experience as a bisexual person. Like, I can find, you know, any particular person of any particular gender like stunningly attractive i didn't think that a straight person would ever have that same reaction for somebody of the same gender i mean you're a straight person <laughs> I, I
1: feel like if i had met Harrison ford accusingly. in his prime i would like this is a very good looking man i think i would probably thought that
0: okay but what do you think about how beautiful he is <laughs>
1: probably not <laughs> those exact words no
0: i guess I guess Brackus is a different kind of attractive than Harrison yeah. Ford. Like Harrison Ford is like the the rugged like man's man kind of attractive Brachus apparently is like, I don't know the way he was described. It was almost like you're describing Sephiroth or something <laughs> like
1: <laughs> not quite the long flowing hair. No,
0: but. but like the the kind of like angelic features almost. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It was just funny. It was a funny diversion anyway. Brackis asks Luke what he wants, besides, you know...
1: To be gazed at adoringly?
0: Yeah. And Luke says he felt Brackis connected to two tragedies, the bombing of the Senate and an incident where millions died at once. Luke says he needs to know the connection. Brachus says he lives here now and no longer works for the Empire, which doesn't directly relate to anything that Luke asked. Luke asks Brachus to help him, and Bracchus asks, why should I help you? Luke says he still feels a spark of good in Bracchus, like he felt in Vader. For a moment, Luke sees the child buried within Bracchus, and then it's gone. Brachus pulls out his lightsaber and attacks.
1: Luke defends himself and realizes that Bracchus has gotten stronger over the last several years, but Luke is still the better swordsman. Then Luke feels fear in Bracchus, and Bracchus tells Luke to kill him. Luke has no desire to do so and would rather bring him back to the Four. Brachus says it's too late for him and he's better off alone. He then says he was paid to give Luke a message and tells him to go to Almania, and Luke asks who wants him there. Brachus shivers and Luke realizes that Brachus is afraid of this person, not of him. Brachus then tells Luke to go back to the Four and retire like Obi Wan. He's already tried that dude. Leave the <laughs> fight to those who are ruthless. He then walks out, and Luke knows he can't help Brachus yet, but hopes to someday. Luke has never heard of Almania, but he knows he needs to go there.
0: Brachus never again wants to get between Luke and Kular. Luke almost convinced him to abandon everything and go back to Yavin 4. If Kular would let him, he would renounce the force and just make droids. <laughs> Brachus had intended to kill Luke, but ended up begging Luke to kill him, and feels humiliated by the whole experience.
1: This is Luke's true superpower. Humiliating dark side users. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Just making them feel really bad about themselves. And what
1: they've done. (laughs) You kicked a puppy one time.
0: (laughs) Except for Mara. So far he hasn't really made Mara actually feel bad. or He hasn't faced her when she's been
1: a dark side user.
0: That's true.
1: She has essentially not been a forced user when when they first met. That's true. And since then she has used it... Sparingly at best, I would say. Yeah, and not really light or dark.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think she's just she does seem like she's a person who's just immune to humiliation.
1: Also, Luke's the puppy she keeps kicking, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Luke's taken yeah. to that from her.
0: Yeah, which I really admire about her.
1: <laughs> that she keeps kicking Luke.
0: No, no, no. That she's immune to humiliation.
1: Oh, like
0: she see she
1: I, I, she can be. I think at times.
0: I think she can too, but just from like. The primary point of reference we really have is the Thrawn trilogy at this stage in where we are at in the chronology. And she just is like, she doesn't feel, she doesn't feel overcome by bad things, you know? Like, she knows she's done some stuff.
1: But she also doesn't want to go back to that when, like, when she told Luke, kill me if I start falling.
0: Yeah, but like...
1: She knows she can't return to that. Yeah. Which is different, I think, but yeah.
0: She's just not i don't know she's not like overwhelmed by it it feels like to me i just admire that about her as a person who is like kind of overly introspective like i would like to borrow some of that (laughs) anyway this book is not about mara
1: sadly it's a real bummer she will show up later on though
0: yeah i miss
1: her (laughs) (laughs) keep (laughs) reading ambush you'll see her there too
0: (gasps) really yeah how soon (laughs)
1: She has a larger role in that book than in this one, is what I'll say. Okay. Which is still to say it has a big role, but yeah. more of a role.
0: Oh, uh, I just miss her. Now I'm navel-gazing about how much I miss a fictional
1: character. Okay, <laughs> we gotta move on. Cole tells the guards that Luke Skywalker ordered him to check the X-Wings. He's worried about them being tampered with. The guards haven't noticed R2, and he could just start slowly rolling away.
0: <laughs> Sneakily rolling away.
1: And he tells the guards to contact General Tillys. To sort everything out, and just he's keeping the attention on himself so R two can get away. But unfortunately, one of the guards does notice R two leaving and is like no, and shoots him.
0: Astromechs just, don't really have a good stealth
1: score. No. Cole says that was the biggest mistake of that guard's life. He just destroyed Luke Skywalker's favorite droid. <laughs> <laughs> what a mistake you just made! What a
0: mistake. If only Luke was truly vengeful in that way. I know, right? <laughs> he's really not. He's no. just going to make the. Uh, he's just going to express disappointment to these people. Which, to
1: be fair, that's pretty bad depending on who's it. It is going it.
0: to upset like, them, but. If Luke
1: is disappointed in you, you have messed up horribly. <laughs> <laughs> like, he tweaks back Vader because he felt the good in him, and, and you just disappointed this man. <laughs> I mean, that I, would wreck me. <laughs>
0: like, I think Luke was disappointed by Vader,
1: too. He never expressed it in so many words. But yeah. No,
0: but, like, I mean, what is a bigger disappointment in the world than, like, all of your life thinking that you, like, had this great father, and then it turns out that he's, like, the right hand of the Or Emperor.
1: even not even a great father, but just a normal father, a navigator on a freighter.
0: Yeah. But, like, Obi-Wan fills his head with all this stuff about, like, yeah. how Anakin was a great Jedi and blah, blah, blah. Greatest
1: power of the galaxy. Yeah. Cunning warrior, good friends. Yeah.
0: So I can only imagine that there were many emotions happening with Luke when his hand was cut off, but one of them (laughs) had to be disappointment. (laughs) Han, Chewie, and Davis bargain for a speeder and three blasters from the Jawas. Han uses the speeder as a distraction while Chewie goes for the Falcon. The plan almost works, but they end up captured along with Celis.
1: Prisoner of the Fibs.
0: The Fibs. Sounds like a band name.
1: Han of the Fibs. Yeah, like a Chewbacca and the Fibs.
0: Yeah, like a comedic band name. Like they sound like they would be like Uh, Durga and the (laughs) Fibs. They sound like they would be kind of like a Capital Steps group. You know, the (laughs) Fibs.
1: Mino is apparently now on the Inner Council along with two other former Imperials. Leia must love this. Oh my god! He calls for an emergency meeting, which Leia is late to because he let her know last he doesn't. He doesn't understand protocol. I guess, or I think he does, and was being a jerk. But yeah, yeah. He can hide behind, oh, I didn't know, I'm sorry. You're late to my meeting. He says he already has results from the independent investigation and asks Leia where Han is. So this investigation has moved kind of quickly. Absurdly so. And she says that he's out at Smuggler's Run, following up on a lead on the bombing. Mita then says that General Solo is behind the bombing. <laughs> Apparently they intercepted a message, the one that Lando had shown Leia. The one, they you on know, fireworks, blah, 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 Solo knows, ready to help, or whatever. Mito says it was sent from the Spicy Lady, which is piloted by Jorill, who Han was seen with at the time of the bombing. Leia isn't really happy with this and says that this isn't proof. Her friend Gano says that she needs to be objective and maybe she should be absent from this discussion. Which, I get what you're saying, Gano, but this is absurd for anyone besides the Four Imperials to think that Han was behind this. It's just
0: very contrived. Yeah. Like...
1: I, I get them either planting this evidence or believing this evidence. I do for the former appeals, but for everyone else in this inner council
0: to just be like, what? well, we should be objective. This is, yeah, it does sort of remind me of our, or how
1: quickly it went.
0: It does sort of remind me of our current political climate. Yeah. Unfortunately, there is a habit by some sides of the equation of like holding themselves to such holding themselves to a standard that they, that the other side doesn't. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs>
1: You did this! You did this! Actually, we have evidence that you did this. doesn't matter if I did it.
0: Yeah. Lando arrives at skip one, but doesn't see the Falcon there. A tractor beam brings him in, and it's a rough landing. A couple of Nandresen's men step out and tell Lando he's coming with them, so... Oops. That didn't go well.
1: Freepio is learning new languages. Apparently, it's a thing he does in his free time. (laughs) A psycho. (laughs) When he gets an emergency notification from R2. And PO is about to reply when the screen goes blank. R2 is gone.
0: Uh-oh. Brackis calls Kuler. Kuler knows that Luke made Brackis question what they are doing. Brackis says he wants out and he's done. Kuler asks if Brackis <sighs> sent Luke to him. Brackis says that he warned Luke away. Kuler is happy and says Luke is now even more likely to come to him. Which is true. Yep. He says Brackis can stay. Telty is his. No one else will ever come there.
1: Kula definitely has a good read on Luke in this regard. He's yeah. being warned away? Great, he's coming! He's for Party sure, time! <laughs> Han asks what Nandresen wants with him, and he's told that Nandresen actually doesn't care about him. He's more interested in the New Republic, and Han's like, what? And they say, well, Nandreessen has valid information, and the Republic might want it. While they're talking, Chewie has his hands in the air, because, you know, they've got blasters pointing at them, and he kind of just slowly extends one of his claws upward. And he inserts the claw between the wall and a door to a secret cargo hatch. And Han's like, all right, so what kind of information would Nandresen have the Republic once? And they're like, no, no, you've got to come to skip six to learn it. And Han's like, no, Nandresen can beat me on skip one. I'm not going there. And then they say Nandreessen doesn't like to travel. My dudes, Nandreessen just traveled. He just returned to skip six when we first met him. He does travel. At this point, Chewie pulls the cargo door onto the fibs while Han grabs a blaster and they get the jump on their attackers. Han asks for the truth and is told that Andreessen wants to get, use him to get to Lando. Andreessen figures if Han is here, Lando won't be far behind. And Han's like, but why, why would Lando come here?
0: Yeah, why would you assume that?
1: Han then asks who's behind the money coming into Smuggler's Run. And he's told that Andreessen doesn't know and he hates it and wants it to stop. But it's gotten too big for him to do anything about it.
0: Davis then shoots the fib and says that the fib was about to attack Han. Han turns his blaster on Davis and asks who he's working for. Davis says, no one. Han asks, why are you here then? He says his buddy was killed on skip five and he's trying to figure out why. Han doesn't believe this story. Han knows Davis is lying and tells him to get off his ship. And Han and Chewie head back to skip one.
1: What do you think? Was it the right call? Yeah. E- even not knowing what happens next, do you think that was the right call when you were first reading it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I well, I just, was way too. I just got a bad read on that guy.
1: Yeah, he was. Uh, he was too conveniently yes, placed. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. And like, if
0: you're Han Solo, you got to really scrutinize everything that makes your life convenient in any way.
1: Lando is taken to Endreisen, so they didn't need Han, and thrown into the water because, like Crystal said earlier, there's just this giant kind of pool that Endreisen like goes into. Yeah, and Lando says they can discuss the price of his freedom. And Andreessen says, the price of your freedom is your death. Lando's like, no, 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 we can work this out. I'll repay what I stole with interest. Andreessen says, after Lando dies, he's going to own everything of Lando's. Since Lando has no heirs, no one will argue against him, not even the Republic, since they'll be too busy dealing with a new rebellion. At this point, Lando's starting to get tired from treading water, but he's like, new rebellion? What are you talking about? And Andreessen says, every government must deal with an armed rebellion at some point, and now it's the Republic's turn. Lando says there's no reason for it. It's not perfect, but the New Republic treats people well, and he says it's a pretty good government, all things considered. And Andreessen's like, well, not everyone thinks of it as highly as you do.
0: Okay, that's true of every government.
1: Yeah, doesn't mean there's a rebellion against it.
0: When Jabba died, Andreessen says he could have been the most influential crime boss in the galaxy. Lando says he hasn't been near Andreessen in years, since well before Jabba died. But Nandresen says Lando bested him, and he never got revenge, so it kept him from getting more power.
1: Wow. Just really? because Just
0: because Lando, like, snuck into his house and took stuff Why Lando holds this him, much power. I just don't. But if he kills Lando now, it will show that he always gets revenge and can be patient about making it happen. Fair point. Lando is scared, but says, I can survive long enough. Again, I just gotta think, like, th- if this is your life... I mean, clearly I'm just wired differently than these people, <laughs> you are, than, a, than a syndicate person. <laughs> but like, man, what a lot of like worrying I mean, over nothing.
1: I feel like if someone greatly wronged you and you had the chance to get revenge years later, you would consider taking it.
0: Hmm. I mean, maybe. I'm trying to think back on like, I don't know, someone who I would really bother with taking revenge on. I'm having trouble actually coming up with somebody. Okay. Even with all of the nonsense I deal with at work, like I don't know, I don't, I just don't feel like it's worth it. Fair enough. Like I would end up feeling bad about it is the thing. <laughs> That's what I know about well, myself. You're not a crime lord. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, wired or different. a loan shark. <laughs> See, when I think of Lone shark, I think of the um, lone star. No, there's a, a cozy game called Baron Breakfast, and in that game, there's an inflatable shark. Oh God. And the, I don't know, headquarters, person, something, talks to you through the shark to get you to set up, like, new locations for your bed and breakfasts. So I think of the inflatable shark from that game (laughs) when I think of lone sharks now.
1: (laughs) Cole convinces the guards to call Wedge. He arrives, and he sees the damaged droid. He's like, is that R2-D2? Because he, of course, recognizes R2. And Cole's like, yep, it is, and Wedge is not happy that R2 has been shot.
0: Which is astonishing, considering that Wedge hates droids.
1: But it's not his droid. It's Luke's droid. Luke's his friend. He, he knows hates that, all he, droids. He knows this is going to upset his friends. He then tells them to get the droid running again, and Cole explains how he found the bomb and was looking for more, and a guard hands Wedge the detonator unit and says that Cole put it in there.
0: <sighs> okay, well, what proof have you. At that point, 3PO and Leia walk in, and she's surprised to see Wedge there. 3PO says R2 is destroyed. (laughs) He's very upset. But Leia is confident he can be fixed. Leia hits the reboot button, and R2 wakes up screaming. That was easy. Wow. 3PO translates and says the guards attacked R2. Wedge dismisses the guards and, with Cole's help, tells Leia all about what's going on. R2 confirms the details and asks who ordered the upgrades. Wedge is like... I did, and Leia asks why. Wedge explains that the Republic's X-Wings are really aging and are having mechanical issues. The cost was unusually low to make these changes, which is one of the reasons why he did it. Leia asks whose idea it was to replace the computers, and Wedge says, again, that it was his. <laughs> Leia thinks that he's protecting someone and doesn't believe that he would sabotage the X-Wings. Wedge is like, hang on, hang on. I didn't know about the detonators.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, and Pipes was like, you know there's no way Wedge could have known. No one knew until R2 found this.
0: Yeah, like these were manufactured somewhere else and shipped to Just in. installed. Yeah. You would think that the people who were installing things would have noticed.
1: It depends on if they took the parts apart or not.
0: Yeah, I guess so.
1: And like, maybe they have like the first couple, but you're not going to have every single piece that comes in. Yeah. Like, on the one hand, it feels thin they should have found it. On the other hand, I also get why you don't when things are being mass produced yeah. like this. Leia asks how
0: many X-Wings have the new computers, and Cole says, most of them. Leia wants all of the X-Wings checked for bombs, and she then asks what will set them off. Cole isn't sure. He says a certain combination must be entered, but he hasn't figured it out yet. Wedge says that he'll issue a grounding order immediately, so no X-Wings accidentally explode. And Cole says they need to reach out to Luke because he's in one of the new X-Wings.
1: Leah's Leia's like, oh, that's bad.
0: <laughs> Wedge is like, ah, uh, my illustrious career. I see it crumbling before my eyes. Oh no, they'll demote me.
1: Back to an X-Wing.
0: Back to an X-Wing. How horrible.
1: <laughs> Speaking of Luke, he is approaching Almania. And apparently Brachis' fear and in warning intrigued Luke, as Keeler knew it would. He researched the planet on the way there, but he cannot find any link to Braxus. Unsurprising. As he nears Pydir, one of the planet's moons, Luke opens a comm, but he doesn't pick up anything. There's no signal or broadcast of any kind. It's just a silent, dead moon. But you know, people live there. He then scans the moon. There are buildings, but only ten life forms. And I did not know an X-wing had scanners that good,
0: that sophisticated. Right.
1: That seems a little, a lot. I guess. I guess when there's that few,
0: it's a new X-wing. When he was landing on Dagobah, he did say, "I'm getting a lot of life readings, but no." Like something about like no structures or. No... I don't think he had
1: any like power or comms or anything. So just organic life, but nothing else.
0: Yeah, I, I mean they do use like recon X wings for missions. So maybe
1: it's just it's just wild to me they could scan the whole moon that quickly. Be like yeah, ten people.
0: It is very
1: like <sighs> like, like I think Star Black-
0: Wars is either very all or nothing on the technology front. Yeah, like it either takes you three floppy disks to sequence something's DNA or you can scan a whole moon in in a minute
1: or like think of Black Fleet crisis like they tried to scan the entire system and it took them a long time and none of them actually finished any of their flights that's they were destroyed because it was, yeah. took that long to scan everything and I did not get the impression they were scanning like there are X or people on each planet and moon here yeah maybe it
0: takes less time when there's less data to read I
1: feel like that's possible but like how could you get the far side of the moon
0: Scanners go through the moon.
1: Maybe he looked at the satellites if there are any? I don't know.
0: I don't know. It's con- well, It's plot convenient. I feel
1: like if should used the force here, that would have made more sense. That like, would
0: have made so much he, more he sense. Just,
1: like, he doesn't know it's 10 people, but knows that there he are. He knows that there's, there's so few.
0: Basically nothing. Yeah. Why didn't the. Oh my god. Christine, why <laughs> didn't you
1: do this? <laughs> like, scan it for technology and the comms and everything, sure. But then reach out with the Force. Yeah. It's already a long enough book. An extra paragraph is not going to change much. That didn't
0: even have to be a paragraph. Yeah. You just replace this with, like, a couple of sentences. Wow. We should write Star Wars.
1: I've been saying that for years.
0: <laughs> Why hasn't anybody hired us?
1: Huh. Given these strange dreams of this moon he decides to investigate there first, Almania can wait a day because he can investigate an entire moon in one day. It's fast. He's,
0: Luke. he's
1: the Flash <laughs> it reminds me of um, a comic I saw years ago of uh, Force Awakens when Snoke tells Hux to get Kylo before the before circular base explodes and Kylo is off in the middle of the forest uh-huh. just been defeated by Ray. right? Uh-huh. Hux is like at Central Command yeah. pretty far away and in the comic Hux kind of goes ah, and then like speed runs out to Kylo <laughs>
0: Oh my god! I think I've seen that comic. Actually, I, I probably showed it to
1: you, or you showed it to me years ago. I
0: at least have a memory of like seeing a very bedraggled Hux like dragging <laughs> Kylo Ren out of the forest in the snow. Wow!
1: Just I, Star Wars does the kind of goofy stuff all the time.
0: I know it's it's one of those things where like you really can't let yourself get too bogged down in the details, yeah, or you're going to just suffocate.
1: I do think though it. To me, it works better in 7 than in this because this book, there are so many details to get bogged down in. And Christine tries to do a good job of getting the details right. Yeah. So when it is wrong, I feel like it really stands. I, I feel like this is an issue more in the books than the movies for Star Wars.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There needs to be so much more. So in the movies, you can get away with a lot of a lot of hand-waving, a lot of just, like, visual.
1: Same with TV shows as well.
0: Yeah. But, like, in the books, you need some exposition to explain, like... You know, what is he doing to scan the moon? You know? And that's where, like, you introduce, like, a sliver of doubt about, like... So does this really fit with, like, the technology of the time?
1: Luke then feels a tendril of a presence. He has felt it before when he saw Brachis. But it is not Brachis. As Luke approaches the moon's surface, his X-Wing... EXPLODES! Apparently he put the wrong combination in.
0: Apparently. Leia calls an inner council meeting. On her way to it with Wedge, a voice calls to her in the force, and she collapses. She sees a skull, just like she did before the Senate was bombed. She realizes that this feels different and chooses to not evacuate the building, but does ask for more guards to be posted.
1: I think just for more guards to be posted when the Senate was bombed and it still did nothing. Yeah. At the meeting, Wedge shows the detonators to the council, and Mito says, Nice try, President. He thinks that they were planted to throw suspicion off of Han. And Boris asks what else the detonators are in. And Mito says, they should ask Leia. She'll know since she planted them. At this point, Bella Bliss says that's too far and demands an apology.
0: Finally. God.
1: And Leia's like, no, no, no. Let's hear him out. Why are you convinced that she, i become a traitor to the Republic? And Mito says, well, Han will only do the bombing if Leia told him to. Wedge is stunned and says that's the stupidest thing he's ever heard, and you know what? I agree with Wedge on this one.
0: And even Borsk says, Mido has gone too far. <laughs> yeah, when Borsk... Borsk is like, no, this is the wrong look for me politically. I'm out.
1: <laughs> like, the master manipulator who is... I would never say he's against everyone, but he's always on his own side.
0: Yeah, and he's definitely a long-time adversary of And he's his. like, this is
1: a stupid plan. You guys are morons. Get <laughs> out.
0: I mean, this is a guy who threatened Leia with a gun while she was pregnant.
1: And that was a better plan than this one. Yeah.
0: Oh, man, I hate myself. I just said gun instead of blaster. <laughs> like, as it came out of my mouth, I was like, that's the wrong word.
1: I actually cut myself earlier from saying that in this episode.
0: Wow. Well, I appreciate you. I did it for you. Thank you. <laughs> Mito then reveals that there's a no-confidence movement in the Senate. And the vote will happen soon.
1: So, just before we continue, take a step back. This was published between between Shield of Lies and Tyrant's Test. Mm -hmm. There was also a no-confidence vote in those books about Leia for very different reasons. Yeah. And on the one hand, I actually like that there's this continuity of this kind of thing that can happen not just between these two books, but also, of course, with the prequels and lore and all that fun stuff. So I, I appreciate that threat of continuity. That was completely unintentional. But that's the problem. It was unintentional. To me, this reads like these authors did not communicate enough, if at all, about this kind of thing. Because it's so weird to have this in back-to-back books. Oh,
0: yeah. Because it happened, like, so what? Leia's had, like, three no-confidence votes against her in a span of, like, I don't know, it feels like like a year Give or, or take. two. Not only that, but this no confidence vote in this book follows a different procedure different. than the ones in Shield of Lies and Tyrants' Test, because there's no ruling council brought in to do a, like...
1: The f- majority of seven have to vote on it to yeah, approve it.
0: before it moves to the Senate. Now yeah. it's just like, we're going straight to the Senate. Yeah. What are we doing?
1: <laughs> like, I, I think in the acknowledgments for both of these books, they they thanked different authors that they worked with like Anderson and Wolverton and I think was Hamley mentioned in some or Yeah. Tyres has mentioned at least one of them. So like I I think one of the reasons why these ideas kind of percolate in multiple books is they, they talked to other authors for ideas and kind of help about structuring these kinds of things, but they didn't talk to each other to make them line up well enough. Yeah. And I think that was the issue of the publishing cycle because they wrote these in how many months?
0: Yeah, like a, a truly abbreviated.
1: Like, and that's still happening today. But today things are planned a little better. But even today things don't plan perfectly. Yeah, they line up significantly better, better than this. <laughs> the '90s were a wild time.
0: <laughs> Leia asks what the no-confidence vote is based on. He says that it's based on their preliminary evidence about the bombing, about
1: General Han, Solo, Leia, et cetera.
0: Leia asks how that privileged information got to the General Senate, and Mito says he doesn't know. She doesn't know about the vote, so she asks how he knew about it. Riot, another former imperial, says they are new to the Inner Council and don't know all the rules. Sure you
1: don't. Borsk then does what might be my favorite thing Borsk ever does. Well, no, second favorite. I know my favorite Borsk moment. We'll get to it in years down the line. Wow. Yes, I have a favorite Borsk moment.
0: No, I'm just amazed that Borsk sticks around for years down the line.
1: He's a survivor.
0: I guess he is. I mean,
1: he's in the Thrawn trilogy.
0: I still can't believe he came back from the crap that he pulled during the Thrawn trilogy. Like, I can't. Because that was so early in the publishing cycle that it's not like he had a future appearance that people needed to like, that Zahn needed to keep in mind. You know, like Zahn is his creator. Yeah. I just, I I really can't believe he wasn't just tossed out after that. He's still here. Anyway, he does something that you like.
1: (laughs) He makes a motion that any more leaks happen to the General Senate and the new members, the three former Imperials, are expelled from the Inner Council. Gano seconds and then asks for more and everyone but the three new members say yes. Leia asks if the motion is understood by them and Mido says he does. Now anyone can leak something and they'll be blamed and kicked out. Exactly. Leia tells them how they vote. She stands by her record. He
0: yeah. tried to take the high road. It's time to play by their rules. <laughs> R2, still determined to get into trouble and not rest and recuperate, goes into the Senate hall and 3PO follows, not happy with the situation. But one could say that 3PO is never happy
1: with the situation.
0: Nope. R2 searches through the rubble for five minutes and eventually finds a detonator that's similar to the one in the X Wing.
1: I know there's a lot to go through in this destruction. But it's always been so weird to me that just after days of searching, none of these letters were found. But R2 is able to just, after a little bit, find one. I guess he knew what he was looking for, but it just, it feels weird.
0: Well, the weird thing is R2 looking in a place that the investigation has not even arrived at yet. Yeah, like, they which meet, is
1: why, they, why he can find it.
0: Yeah, like they meet a guard who's like, they haven't even cleared the hall yet.
1: It feels thin, like you said earlier.
0: It just feels so convenient.
1: Yeah. Again, the convenience factor.
0: Like, you just see the author being like, the plot has to, after 400 pages. I mean, I don't think we're even that far, actually. I but we're probably
1: around 300. After
0: hundreds of pages, we have to go somewhere. Yeah. So I'm going to make it happen.
1: Luke was able to open the X-Wing and get out just before it exploded. He felt the danger coming. He's like, oh, no, jump. <laughs> he hits the ground hard and his ankle breaks. Apparently, ever since the Eye of Palpatine, it's been very weak. And again, I very much appreciate small connections like this one. Like, he's thought, like, his ankle's never been right since then, so as he lands, it just snaps again.
0: Yeah, I do like that even in this world where, like, Bacta is so incredible and powerful, like, there are still situations where, like, your body can only take so much abuse. It feels very grounding.
1: Yeah. No one comes out of the buildings to see what happened or try to help. The moon is truly empty of life, so I guess his sensors are that good. He goes into an empty home and finds some water and a healing stick.
0: The Falcon gets back to skip one. Han and Chewie see the Lady Luck being stripped by others and realize that Lando is here and they know that Nandreessen must have him. Right, right. Meanwhile, Hewler watches Luke's X-Wing blow up and is surprised that Luke went to Piedir first. He's also surprised that he triggered the explosion, but is glad to know that the detonators work. He blocks the force as best he can because he doesn't want Leia to know exactly what's happened.
1: Leia, Akbar and Wedge are working to track down the last of the X-Wings. They then receive a holo call from a face in a skeletal mask, and Leia recognizes it as the one she has seen in her visions recently. The man introduces himself as Kuller and says that they don't know him, but Leia would have felt his presence when he killed the people of Pydir without using a Death Star or a Star Destroyer. Instead, he says he prefers elegant, simple weapons. And Leia asks what he wants, and Kuler says he wants her attention and shows an image of an injured Luke. Leia reaches out with the Force, but Kuller blocks her. She asks what he did, and he just has, well, I didn't do anything. Luke's ship exploded. wasn't me. He then says he wants her to disband the New Republic and turn power over to him. If he doesn't get his way, Luke will die along with Leia's children. Leia asks, well, if she still refuses? And he says, well, I'll start destroying your subjects. Then Leia falls and cries out as she feels people die. Curiel says he just killed at least a million people, and that Leia has three days to decide he will kill Luke if the deadline passes.
0: Luke feels Leia reach out to him, but something blocks the connection. He then feels the deaths, too, and knows that the source of the destruction comes from Almania. Dun dun. Akbar asks what just happened and who that was. Leia doesn't know the answer to either question, but she says they need to figure out who died. There are no reports of destroyed planets. That's fast.
1: Mm. Like, this is happening immediately.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wedge says it's an elegant weapon. They are thinking too big. He asks, what planets have gone silent? The planet Oyamesh in the Almania system has apparently gone quiet.
1: Immediately, they know this. Yeah.
0: It's it's far away. It's so,
1: like, they even will get to they that in second. Yeah.
0: So let's, yeah, let's talk about that in a second. Leia wonders if this is the same Almania that Lando had mentioned. Akbar says it's beyond the Rim worlds and is not part of the New Republic, nor was it part of the Old Republic. They are able to identify the buildings around Luke that were shown in the holocall. They are from Pydir, which is also in the Almanian system. They are then able to confirm the transmission came from Almania. Wedge wonders how Kulard even knows Leia. Akbar says maybe Leia would recognize him, hence the mask. So yeah, like they've established that this place is far away.
1: Incredibly far.
0: Is this also the place where they established that like, oh, so it makes sense that he was using this weird encryption on the holocall because it disguises the distance. Yeah. Therefore, how can you already tell that a planet that far away has gone radio silent? Or even
1: been exploded. Yeah. It felt confused. Uh, again, the, the technology of Star Wars works when it needs to work. And it doesn't to.
0: when the plot needs it to not work.
1: <laughs> and this is this is an issue regardless of who the creator, author, director, writer is. But there are times when it really stands out, and this is one of the more egregious ones to me.
0: I really wonder if today they have like so i remember the bioware developers talking about how for the worlds that they built for their video games they had like bibles like basically like wikipedia's of like Mm. in-world information i really wonder if today there is a more firm like bible wikipedia in no like for the people who are actually working on like books and stuff about like these are the boundaries of the force. These are the boundaries of technology. These are the boundaries of travel. Like, I I wonder if they've ever thought about, like, maybe we need something like that.
1: (laughs) I would hope so. I don't know. Uh,
0: Yeah, I'm not convinced.
1: I would say they definitely have more than we have, because I remember a thing we watched years ago about, I think it was Filoni talking about the Mortis arc in Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. And I forget it was him or George who had it, that really thick binder that basically describes everything and how it works on mortis and that what's in there that's gotta be filoni right
0: lucas has never put together a binder (laughs) of anything (laughs) fair (laughs)
1: enough and like that information to my knowledge has never been released to the general public but that information kind of guides how that arc went
0: yeah I could believe that George contributed to the binder.
1: Yes, but somebody I put it do together. not <laughs>
0: believe that he assembled it. <laughs> not for his They might even say that he assembled it, but I don't believe them. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> As I've said before, I have a cartoonish imagining of George <laughs> Lucas, truly. A little bit. But it's not so far off because he does say straight up in Light and Magic that he he's just like, I'm not good at writing scripts. Like, he just flat out says that.
1: Or, like, he has rules. Like, there's a rule he has. Like, you know, there's oxygen in space, but I need there to be oxygen in space. Like, he has said that at some point, because that's... Because I need a pretty explosion. Or, like, you know, for them being in... Uh, there had to be an atmosphere in Empire when they were in the asteroid in the slug's stomach.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Like, those, those masks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That.
0: The slug creates atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. It's fantasy. It's space fantasy. Even fantasy can have hard magic rules. And oh, yes. and hard technology rules. Just not George Lucas's space fantasy. Which no.
1: is <laughs> <laughs> one of its greatest strengths and greatest annoyances. Yeah,
0: it it is one of its charms, but it is also a
1: huge drawback. I think there are t- it depends on how much you use that charm. And I think this book tries to use it too yeah. much in ways that doesn't work. Yeah. R2 has found four more detonators in the rubble. But they are smaller than the ones in the X wings, and after the a, a guard comes out and finds the droids and tells them to leave, and he also says the investigation is going slowly and hasn't even made it to this hallway that the droids are currently in. Which, as you said earlier, this is why there's here's the reason why Archie can find them and no one else can, because they haven't gotten here. Yeah, which also makes the preliminary report by Mito and his group look even so, so much worse. Oh,
0: jumping the gun! Like
1: it's absurd. Y-
0: you didn't even like. You have, okay, so you have a hunch, you have a prejudice, you have an idea, but you you, you haven't have no e- proof examined of the entire body of evidence.
1: Lando well, I, I guess he been, has been floating in the water for about a day. He's kind of guessing this like, based on how often Nandreusen eats, but also Nandreusen eats it often, so it's hard to tell. He tries to keep his mind occupied by carrying the number of Watumba bats that are just on the ceiling and thinks there's about 350 of them. Oh <laughs> my god. Orlando. he is trying to keep up with the plan and knows that it will somehow involve the bats but he's not sure what it is yet he's like you know at least i can drink the water it's disgusting but i can drink the water i'm starting to get really hungry
0: i at this point when he's starting to think that like he's coming up with a plan and the watumba bats are going to be part of it he's just not sure how yet i was like oh honey you've lost it you have those bats are not going to do anything for you (laughs) i turned out to be wrong but like (laughs) we'll get there Mon Mothma comes to see Leia. She asks if Luke is a prisoner. Leia isn't sure. He was on his way to Almania, but they've had no word from him since he left. He may just be near Kuler, but they have no way of really knowing. Leia says Kuler has made this personal. The New Republic almost feels like an afterthought from his threats. It's more about Leia and her family. Leia also thinks that he trained as a Jedi. She has no proof, but the dark side is definitely at work here. Mon Mothma asks why Kylo threatened Leia and Luke, and Leia says that they are the most visible Jedi. If he beats them, he becomes the strongest Force user in the galaxy. Or he thinks that Leia's word is law, perhaps. In either case, she's decided to step down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which I actually like this decision she makes, but again, does it just not feels line up-
0: so discordant with what just happened yeah. in Black Fleet Crisis. She would, she was going to let Han. Die. die to hold on to her post and now she's like never mind luke's in trouble
1: and like <laughs> i i think both decisions can and do work with her character just I, not so close together yeah that's the problem
0: if they were spaced further apart i could see her having a different perspective and deciding to do something different yeah but uh, i was just like what yeah what are you talking about she says that if she resigns, then Keuler can no longer use the New Republic as an excuse for targeting her family, and she hopes it will surprise Keuler and make him panic. She also wants Mon Mothma to take her place until an election can be held. Apparently that's allowed. She says that they'll do this in a formal recorded presentation. Mon Mothma asks why not just do it tomorrow, and Leia says she doesn't have time, she's going after her brother now.
1: Again, I I, I love this decision.
0: How on earth does someone who's resigning get to select their even their temporary
1: Mama. replacement? But there was there's to my knowledge no true VP in Star Wars it feels like. Well that's dumb. There should be a line of succession though.
0: I mean I would just think that the inner council would adjudicate decisions on behalf of that office while they hold elections. Like that I don't know. I don't know how government works. You're a history major, you tell me.
1: It's different everywhere yeah so like my makes, idea
0: makes sense and, and
1: you got to far far away it's different from book to book that's yeah. what really makes it yeah. difficult
0: yeah like if the ruling council existed in this book it would make sense for that council to be like
1: or to like go to the council <laughs> and say hey i'm gonna have my mothma take over while i'm gone that cools you guys and yeah like, yeah that's fine
0: well you approve this decision
1: And how could they not? This is Mon Mothma.
0: But no, Leia's, like, fully resigning, which to me should mean that she has no say in what goes on henceforth.
1: I I think she knows because it's Mon Mothma no one's going to argue against her.
0: That is her argument, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I do think Mon Mothma's a a good choice, but you would think that the new Imperials in the Senate would be like, absolutely not.
1: No, no way. I think even they know they don't have the power to go against her right now. But they do have a simple majority. But uh, So I, I get the feeling the simple majority for certain things isn't enough. Yeah. Kind of like overriding a veto for us. It has to be two-thirds majority in the Senate.
0: Okay. Like I said, I don't know how government works. Or is it
1: 60 votes? Oh,
0: you tell me. Use your education. <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> Han and Chewie had to skip six in Blue's ship. Apparently they take her ship instead of the Falcon. And Zine, Kid, and Winnie are all along for the Red too. They land and they find a mudslide on the surface. And go down it, and they land in the water, water near Lando. And Lando sees them and says, some rescue, Han. <laughs> and an Andreessen and six more fibs are just kind of around the water. And then Zine, Kid, and Winnie all turn their blasters on Han and Chewie. Han ducks as the shooting starts.
0: Yeah, basically they went through this whole rigmarole of convincing Blue, Zine, Kin, Kid, and Winnie to like help them free Lando instead of continuing to strip his ship for parts. And it turned out that, like, they were all on Andreason's payroll. Of course they are. Yeah. Smugglers. What are you gonna do?
1: Luke feels a disturbance in the force and he is now sure that this is being done by one of his former students. They are strong on the dark side and he hasn't felt this kind of power in a living being since Palpatine and he never had a student close to this powerful. They must have somehow gotten much stronger after leaving the academy. And I know this is a bone that you have to pick with this.
0: Yeah, just he does specify living being, which I
1: think is important because that that does fit continuity. I feel like because XR Coon obviously was that powerful. I don't know Sabayoff. <laughs> that that's the big one, but even he, I guess, wasn't Palpatine level. I'm sorry, he whammed
0: Luke for like two weeks.
1: He did. I,
0: I think he was pretty powerful.
1: He was, but Luke he was also crazy, didn't. But he was powerful. No, he was an evil supervillain at the time. The way he knew Palpatine was.
0: I think this is a problem of Luke being unable to, like, identify and scale enemies appropriately.
1: That's also probably fair.
0: But I also just think, I don't know, like, there's a big miss here in that this person is one of Luke's former pupils, and I feel like we find out all about his fall after the fact. Which, to me, makes it be like, oh, this is the biggest threat since Palpatine, are you sure?
1: Like, I just kind of don't believe it. There should have been more backstory to this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's just, like, I don't I don't feel like Huler is a credible threat the way that...
1: Sabiath was? Yeah. I think Sabiath was a much smarter villain. It's not say more powerful in the Force.
0: Uh, well, to me, smarter means more powerful. Okay, that's fair like killer just thrashing around like with his little plan. And I mean, we find out also that like the way that he kills millions of people while elegant, quote unquote, is not part of his force prowess. Like, no, it's he's not, not reaching out and snuffing out millions of lives in the force. True. So I don't know. I just don't. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's a move to, like, compare your villain, you, a person who have only written one Star Wars book, to Palpatine.
1: And also, of course, this is not the only time this ever happens. In I,
0: I would, like, I would not dare <laughs> try to make such a, like, I would not try to compare those two. I would not have them breathe the same If you air. were creating
1: a villain, I'd be more Zinger Thrawn. A credible threat, but something so vastly different. Yeah. Or even Iceheart.
0: And, not scaling up, scaling. Not to say down, sideways. Yeah, like
1: or like in the case of Zinja. but I'm fine is,
0: with scaling down
1: too. Yeah, like Zinja's a great example. He scales down, but it makes sense given what's going on at that point in galactic history to have someone scale it down like him.
0: It really just goes back to the thing on the cover of this book, the the thing about the galactic holocaust yeah. on a scale we've not yet seen. The escalation thing never works for me.
1: There are times in the EU There were work, things
0: in the original trilogy called Death Stars. If you try to escalate above that, you completely lose me.
1: To me, there are times when the escalation in the EU works, and some of these we disagree on, it, but there are also times when it doesn't work, and this is one where it doesn't work. Like I actually think this is a pretty good plan. I do believe he is very powerful, but... I don't think it had the right lead-up. That I completely agree with.
0: Which is hilarious, because this is a 500-and-something-page book. But we don't have, you know... I bless Stackpole's heart. He tried his best to like bring Brackets, Brackets in. into I Jedi. But even that was it's just not sufficient. This is the first student besides Kip that Luke really knows of that like falls to the dark side. And we don't get any of the like There's no like th- there's no falling action here. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: it's not Stackpole's fault, because he had a very limited pool to draw on the agenda. It was yeah. the very like, A part of wish is he could have done this later in the timeline, because then we could have seen Hewler, we might have seen more of Brackus, we could have seen Cray, we could have seen others we have seen these books. Yeah. But because of when it was set, and when it had to be set, it limits what he, who he was able to bring in.
0: Yeah, and Hewler, knee prior name, Dolph, was not at the Academy at that time. Nope. So, like... What are you going to do? Yeah. I don't know. It just falls really... (laughs) Anytime somebody tries to, like, march in a villain and be like, this is the worst thing we've seen since Palpatine, I'm just like, sure.
1: I agree. I do think someone like Exar Kun works for me, but that's only because he existed thousands of years before Palpatine. He's not someone new Mm post-Palpatine. So that's why that idea works for me, at least. Execution, it could have been better, I agree. But that idea of an ancient (laughs) Sith Lord, I'm on board with that.
0: Hmm. Uh, we don't need to get back into how much we disagree about xr yeah I know. everybody knows <laughs> how much i don't like that guy so luke heads outside and there's a man in a mask waiting for him healer asks you still don't recognize me do you master skywalker luke partially guesses and says dolf dolf is surprised that luke eventually recognized him and says that his name is now Huller. Dolph was extremely talented, but always had a darkness in him. Darkness isn't unusual. All students have to deal with a version of it. Luke says Dolph left before he could give him condolences over the loss of his family. And Dolph says the sympathies are both false and too late. The Jahar brutally slaughtered them, but they did not die quickly. They were staked and left to rot in the heat, and they took weeks to die.
1: Mm-hmm. No, thank you. I just
0: feel like the, the timeline for... Somebody being staked up in the heat and dying is probably faster than weeks, but whatever. Like, I don't know. <laughs> he found their bodies afterwards and he vowed vengeance and took it without Luke's help. Luke asks if there's even a difference between the Jahar and Dolph, and Kuler asks if riddles amuse Luke or if he's seeking to buy time. Luke says he's truly curious and that murder is murder. He keeps saying Dolph, and finally Kuler screams that his name is Kuler. Luke says he will only talk to Dolph, a gifted and loving boy who had a bright future ahead of him. Kuler says that Dolph is dead.
1: So I know it's completely unintentional because this character was 20 years away from being made, but I just love how much this sounds like Kylo Red in Force Awakens. <laughs> ben Solo is dead.
0: <laughs>
1: I killed him. I, I feel like Dolph slash there's... Like a lot of Sith who kind of have this almost personality thing, like a lot of Dark Side users should say. There's a very interesting idea for the character here that's not executed great, unfortunately. But I, I think there's... Like, this is a very tragic backstory, and you totally get why someone like him is going to fall and vow vengeance when your family is brutally massacred like this. Yeah. Unfortunately, just overall...
0: I, we've talked about this before, so I'm going to try to keep my rehashing of this issue brief. I really don't like the split personality thing with
1: people I, who fall to the dark side. I think for Kuler, it's not so much as a split personality as he's left who Dolph was behind and is reinventing himself as someone new. Mm-hmm. And, but it's, it's being done very intentionally and consciously. hmm And I, I think Kylo Ren slash Ben was the same way.
0: Mm-hmm. I just feel like in Star Wars fandom and maybe amongst Star Wars creators there are there is this idea that you're almost two different people when you're in the dark side and versus when you weren't in the dark side and that it it has this like almost like mentally it has this like fog effect on you almost like like it changes you fundamentally so that who you are as a dark side user is totally different from who you are as a person who wasn't a dark side user and i just think that that like this is subjective so like you don't need to be offended if this is your take on it but i just find that really boring like I I don't think that Anakin and Darth Vader are two different people. You know, like, I think that Anakin always had the potential. And I feel like we see a
1: lot of this in Clone Wars. Oh, yeah. He snaps what's his face from behind.
0: Yeah. Uh, to do terrible things. Like, it's funny because Star Wars walks right up to the edge of this over and over again where like even in this conversation Luke is thinking that like all of his students have to face a certain darkness
1: so I actually think the author agrees with you like everyone has this darkness and potential in them It's question is if something pushes them to that point or not Mm -hmm. and the massacre of doll's family is what pushes them to that point to embrace that darkness Mm -hmm. so I, I think she would agree with you in this regard
0: I just think that too often there is this habit of being like well he wasn't himself that I agree with And therefore, we can redeem somebody like Vader, somebody like Dolph, somebody like Kylo Ren. (laughs) And I'm like, no, they were themselves. Like, they, you know, they have this incredible power that makes them more dangerous when they decide to do immoral or unethical things. But they are themselves. and, And they're not, you know, they are being manipulated sometimes by somebody. But no more so than any of the rest of us are ever being manipulated by somebody and all the rest of us have to be held accountable for our
1: actions. (laughs) To be fair, I think in the case of Anakin and Ben Solo, they are being manipulated by great dark side users more than we are in our day to day.
0: Yes. But.
1: But still, they are still themselves. They
0: have they themselves have great power and like you know don't get me started i know that the jedi order failed anakin so spectacularly in so many ways i don't actually totally like blame him and think he was completely in control of his fall to the dark side even though i think it was kind of poorly written (laughs) but like i i do you know he could have rivaled palpatine oh absolutely he just didn't necessarily think about all the tools that he had at his disposal like he wasn't thinking clearly because he was a dumb 23 year old right like and before that he was a dumb 19 year old before that he was a dumb nine year old like (laughs) i don't know there comes a point where the things that happen to you are not your fault but the result is your responsibility so i I, like i think the place where this bugs me the most actually is with kip right Mm. where like it quite literally seems like there are just puppet strings attached to him.
1: That was how it was written with x with was like, had his fingers up in Kip's head.
0: Like, he was just... He was like, kind of an... He became an avatar of x in The way yeah. that Snoke is an avatar of Palpatine, in a weird way. Like, I just... I don't find that interesting. To be, like, how the dark side works. You know?
1: But does this sound more interesting? If Like, there's a darkness within you, and if you're pushed to it by...
0: Yeah, that's fine. I just, you know what it is? I want dark side users themselves to stop doing this whole, like, so-and-so is dead. Like, because to me, it feels like, and I think this, I don't know, this is kind of legitimate. They they are still feeling bad about their decisions. And so they're partitioning off the parts of themselves that would have made better decisions and saying, like, that person is, like, that person was wrong. That person was weak. That person was foolish, blah, 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 blah. I just, I want, I, I like it better when they're just like, no, I'm right now. And I'm fine putting my name on that, my old name. I don't need a new dumb name.
1: I feel like, <laughs> especially for this one of Dolph Tecular, it's the authors following the blueprint of Lucas of Anakin the yeah. Vader. Yeah. And like we're at the point where like the Sith naming convention isn't even a thing yet. Like, no. We don't even know that Darth Sidious is Also, he's name. not,
0: like, Tecular's not a Sith. Yeah. You
1: know. He's just a dark side user.
0: There are precious few people who are Sith. Anyway, that was not a short diversion. (laughs) Sorry.
1: Luke says that Dolph can come back to Yavin 4, and they can help heal his wounds, but Kula declines. He will make sure no one like the Jahar appear in the galaxy again, and Luke asks, how? Kula says the Jahars of the universe will disappear along with those who serve them, like Luke's sister and her government. Luke says Leia has nothing to do with Dolph's family's deaths, but Kula says she's one of the few who could have prevented them. And okay. That actually, I think is a legitimate point. The, the New Republic could have tried to stop this if they had been aware of how bad things truly were. But also, when you're not part of that system of government, we see this in Black Fleet crisis, which I think actually ties in really nicely with that story, unintentionally. If you're not part of that government, it's really hard to ride in and be the hero.
0: Yeah. Because like there hasn't been an established like the people even want us here kind of thing, and now like you only want us when it's an emergency.
1: It can't. It has to be more than just we come in to help you when you need it, but you have to help also the public at large.
0: Yeah, like. like it has to be a two way street.
1: Yeah. Now, if it's a true emergency and you need our help and we'll come in, great. We can try to if we're able to. And yeah. depending on when this happened, like let's let's say this happened during the Abetha crisis, there is absolutely no way the Republic could then anything to help out
0: yeah finite resources sad but true keeler then says luke can join him and help rid the galaxy of those like the jahar luke says he'll join keeler if keeler gives up the dark side keeler says there is no dark side just rules about the force to keep you from your full potential so luke declines the offer
1: i know you have thoughts on this
0: this is hard because I don't really like Kuehler or his, you know, methods. But I do feel that way about the Force. Like, I do think that the whole light side and dark side thing is pretty contrived. And made, like, the line is different for different groups depending on their morals and ethics.
1: I think that's the big thing. It's that the line is different, not just for different groups, but for different people. Mm-hmm. And I think the line is all, not always a from exact, exact fixed place. I think it's a very... It can be questionable and kind of a blurry line depending on how and where things, not just you fall, but how the situation falls. Yeah. But I do think there is a separation between light and dark. I do believe that, but I don't think it's as cut and dry as the Jedi make it.
0: Yeah. Like, I think there are two really obvious lines to draw here. You can force push somebody off a building, that will kill them maybe more quickly than force lightning would or like the entropy power some might say
1: it's merciful in that case therefore it's white side
0: (laughs) Uh but the other thing is the Jedi mind trick
1: which Akana took great issue with
0: but at the same time the white current does their own version of that they just do it slightly differently they do it
1: less invasively
0: the end result is the same though somebody like actually on a greater scale more people are seeing something that is not there I don't know, like, that seems really manipulative to me, yeah. and to me, like, manipulation falls pretty firmly in the camp, like, when you're taking away somebody else's free will, when you're influencing them to act based on false information that you have forced them to accept as truth, that seems like a dark side thing to me. Or
1: like I feel like there's a time when the mind trick is not necessarily of the dark side, but there are times when they try to use it as a dark side power, absolutely. I'm thinking in Clone Wars when it was Mace, Anakin... Obi Wan, as well, who were doing it to the um to Cad Bane from mm. that really creepy scene, yeah, like they've got their hands up chanting it, like, yeah, that is absolutely 100% dark side use of the force right there by a member of the council,
0: yeah. I mean, one of the most questionable members of the council, fair, <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I'm glad that I'm not a force user in a galaxy far, far away because I think I would be continually targeted for my heretical views
1: <laughs> I'm both glad about the sad. force <laughs> probably would be fun <laughs> I'm thirsty bring the water to me
0: well just think of like in attack of the clones where you know obi-wan uses the force very flippantly a guy's trying to sell him death sticks and he's just like you don't want to sell me death
1: sticks I just played for laughs
0: yeah it's supposed to be funny but when you really think about it, it's dark like that's an unnecessary use of the force right like he doesn't need to tell that guy that he needs to go home and rethink his life and just like it's like he chucked a boulder into the stream of that person's life and it was just a flippant like he'll he does not remember that incident
1: and like it might very well help that person get their life on track but
0: But it also might not like we don't know what this guy's situation is like he probably has a supplier that he's buying the death sticks from if he suddenly decides that he doesn't want to sell death sticks anymore. There's going to be a ton of people in the underworld that are going to come after him like I don't know Obi-Wan could have killed that guy with that single flippant little mind trick and conversely I do just want to say I think there are situations where maybe manipulating people in this way. ...is not inherently evil. I
1: think A New Hope is maybe the best example. When Obi-Wan says these aren't the droids you're looking for.
0: Yeah. Like, it's done in the service of, like...
1: Preserving life.
0: Yeah. But, you know, nobody's nobody questions whether or not Force Lightning could ever be used in a good way.
1: I guess, like, Palpatine is actually for Force Lightning awesome.
0: Yeah, like, what if it's an incredible source of power... For like like quite literally charging batteries or something yeah. and like i'm thinking of legend of korra when a lot of firebenders have that's learned right. how to bend electricity and like work in factories to power that stuff i mean yeah maybe that maybe that's the technological leap the star wars galaxy needs
1: anyway <laughs> anyway
0: we have spent like 20 minutes on this one page of notes oh this is where all the
1: juice is Kylo then brings out a blue lightsaber, and Luke says he just wants want to fight Dolph. And Kula says, you won't be fighting Dolph. God. And attacks Luke. And Luke defends himself, but he is quickly losing ground. He is still too weak from everything that's happened to him. The explosion, landing on the ground, his ankle, etc., etc. He is quickly disarmed, and Kula says he will use Luke to lure Leia here.
0: Leia is getting the Alderaan ready. It's registered to Lalila, her childhood nickname, and her second identity.
1: So... On the one hand, I appreciate this connection to the Crystal Star. On the other hand, childhood nickname? What? This comes out of left field. It feels like this should have been a detail in that book and not this one.
0: It almost feels like this author is trying to make it clear that um, there's a
1: reason why she got lost in this persona.
0: Or that there's a reason why like she was so instantly like linked to it in that way. It's just weird because obviously, like, a childhood nickname slash personality for a child would not be, like, a ruthless bounty hunter
1: who's confused. It could be, like, a bounty hunter who's just off on adventures.
0: I guess. Yeah. I don't know. That was kind of weird.
1: Yeah. Wed shows up before she leaves, and he says that Mon Mothma sent him to go with Leia. And he also adds, I've got a fleet to bring as well. Because at first, Leia's like, I don't want your help. You're not going to do anything. He's like, no, no, I've got a fleet. It's not just me. (laughs) Leia says the Imperials and the Senate will crucify Mon Mothma for this, and Wedge says that's why they're leaving soon before word gets out. If they win, they'll get the credit and Leia will be back in charge. If they lose, Mon Mothma will den- denounce their actions as just a rogue element. Leia will fly separately from the fleet, her focus will be on Luke, while Wedge will focus on Kylo's forces.
0: Meanwhile, back at Smuggler's run, Han pulls Zine underwater while Chewie wrestles Winnie and Lando fights Kid. Chewie manages to get a bowcaster and shoots one of the fibs, and the fibs start shooting fire at the water to boil it.
1: We should point out, because I don't think we said this yet, the fibs basically built in flamethrowers.
0: Which is weird for a swamp creature.
1: Yeah, cool. I actually kind of like that they do that.
0: Han manages to dunk Zine and goes to help Lando. Lando gets a blaster and fires it at the ceiling, and the bats come down and start eating the fire.
1: Apparently these are fire-eating bats.
0: They then follow it into the fibs and go inside their mouths, which kills them. Dandreessen goes underwater while his forces all die from being smothered by bats. (laughs) He pulls Lando underwater and Han and Chewie go after them. Han kicks Dandreessen and Chewie shoots him with the bowcaster.
1: Which work underwater, apparently.
0: They get Lando to the surface and then out of the water. Blue is waiting for them. She wanted to see who would win before picking a side. Han asks Lando why he's here, and Lando says that he was there to help Han. (laughs) Blue asks how they plan to leave because her ship will have been stripped by now. Han says they'll take one of Nandresen's ships. There are bodies of fibs everywhere killed by the bats, but they all manage to get to the hangar and leave.
1: What a wild sequence. Yeah. Death by bat.
0: I mean, turned out Lando was right. Plan needed to involve the bats. Yeah,
1: I love when Lando's like shooting the ceiling. Han's like, what are you doing? Did you go crazy swimming in the water for so long? The droids get to the Solo apartment to find Leagon, and they're told that she's resigned by the computer there. So they go to Mon Mothma, but they have to wait in line. And the receptionist there doesn't believe their story, so R2 just leaves while Threepio argues with it. And R2 goes to the pilot's turbo lift. Threepio eventually catches up to R2 near a freighter, and Threepio says, droids can't fly ships. And then magically Cole shows up. R2 says he knows who bombed the Senate Hall and needs help to stop the next bombing by going to where the detonators were made. So Cole says he'll help.
0: Leia knows that 30 ships leaving will be noticed, but hopes that with so many leaving, people won't realize that hers is one of them. She hadn't found the droids before leaving, but she ran out of time and had to leave without them. She also hasn't heard from Han, but sent him a message saying she'll be out of touch for a while. She also can't find Luke in the force, but she does keep getting strange aches and pains that mirror Luke's injuries. Like,
1: we know this. She doesn't. Yeah. Like, her ankles start turning randomly, or her back. Yeah. Luke wakes up, and he thinks his X-Wing was tampered with on hotel which is why it exploded. He doesn't know about the detonators, of course. He's not tied up, but there's also no lightsaber by him. And then he sees a large, white creature. It walks in, sniffs the air, and apparently it makes Chewie look small.
0: It's something like three times Luke's height.
1: Yeah, I kind of like to think of like a giant wamba, basically. Yeah. And wampas are big to begin with. It sniffs Luke, but doesn't eat him. But they then make eye contact, and it bites Luke.
0: Keeler watches the thern bee bite Luke's leg. He also makes sure that there are guards around Luke's cell.
1: R2 is ready to go, but Cole doesn't have authorization to just, you know, pack up and leave. He's a lowly mechanic. So he tries to contact Wedge. But he doesn't get through. He tries Akbar, Leia, Mon Mothma. No one's answering. Something is going on. So Cole's like, all right, it's time to go. And then asks 3PO if he knows the presidential codes to leave. And 3PO's like, yeah, I've, I've got them. I'm, I'm her protocol droid. And Cole says, we need to leave right now. And convinces 3PO to let them use those codes.
0: Han is feeling bad that Kid and Zine died. But Lando tells him it's not his fault. He says Han never belonged on the run. He was too good for it. It's why he went with Luke and freed Chewie before that.
1: Han asks what's so important that made Lando come back here. And Lando says that someone is setting Han up to make him look like he bombed the Senate Hall. He then tells Han about finding the spicy lady, Jarril, and the message. Lando then asks Han if he's ever heard of Almania. And Han says, no, not till Lando mentioned it. So they're going to head there next.
0: <laughs> the Thernbee is trying to swallow Luke whole, but he manages to get out of its mouth. It then smacks him, so Luke shoves a large splinter into its paw and tries to get away. He grabs more splinters and gets ready to fight.
1: Kehler knows the New Republic fleet is coming for him, so he commands his troops to execute his orders. What those orders are exactly? We'll find out.
0: Lando is not happy about the Lady Luck being stripped. Han says he'll work on fixing it while Lando and Chewie go around and get back what was taken.
1: While Han is inside the Lady Luck, explosions suddenly rock skip one. He goes outside the ship and just sees devastation. It looks like bombs were dropped all over it, and it reminds him of the Senate Hall. There are bodies everywhere and several ships are damaged, though the Falcon and Lady Luck are okay. Han goes looking for Chewie and Lando, but others keep calling out for help instead. Han tells someone to get the medical droids, and they say, That's a sick joke, dude. The droids did this. They exploded. And then Han realizes the droids in the Senate Hall must have exploded too. He managed to find Chewie and Lando. They are okay.
0: Han can't understand why the run was targeted. Lando says it wasn't. Most of the droids here were stolen. Han suggests setting the Lady Luck up as a medical facility since there's lots of room now with all the parts stripped out of it, and Lando agrees. So, bombs
1: and droids. Good plan?
0: I mean, it's not a bad plan. Yeah. I just still, like, we'll get to it a little bit later. I don't quite believe the scale that Kyler managed and the time period the time frame that he was operating within. It's okay. a lot of droids that have bombs
1: in them. Han goes to see Blue, and she is holding Davis' body, and she says that she loved him. And Han asks, what happens? She says Han was supposed to trust Davis and go after the equipment and follow its source to Almania. She says a man named Kyler wants Leia and her brother. He hates the Republic and thinks it does more harm than good. Han asks where the droids were stolen from, and she says Coruscant. So it's brazen. You were right to not trust Davis, Han.
0: Keeler watches the Republic fleet move forward. Too much time has passed since he gave the order for the droids to be destroyed. He eventually feels death in the force, but it's much less than it should have been. The droids he had designed for Coruscant's fleet were clearly somewhere else. So he sends his Star Destroyers out to make the New Republic think it is still fighting the Empire. He also orders someone to find out what happened to the droids.
1: Leia feels the deaths in the Force, but the feeling isn't as strong as before, but it does weirdly last longer, like almost like a rolling death type thing. She also briefly feels Luke. She then gets a message on a private channel that she has with Luke, but it's strangely in binary. R2 has hacked their comms, unsurprisingly. <laughs> it just reads, New model droids dangerous. To be safe, shut down all droids. There's no signature. So she forwards the message to Wedge so he can decide what to do about the droids on the ships and heads for Almania.
0: Luke feels the deaths and it drains his energy. The Thornbee approaches Luke and knocks the splinters out of his hand.
1: R2 takes Cole and Threepio to Telti. They are allowed to land but told personal droids must stay on the ship. But R2 of course ignores this and just goes off on his own and Cole tells Threepio to follow him.
0: Bracus comes out and asks Cole what he wants. Cole says someone is sabotaging Bracus' droids and shows him the detonators. Rackus asks why Skywalker sent Cole. He recognizes the two droids. c 9PO is sent to stop R2, but R2 just rolls away from him and 9PO chases after him. This is basically just another day at the office for R2.
1: Leia senses Luke again and lands near him. The planet feels deserted. There's no one here and it's kind of creeping her out. In space, three victory-class star destroyers approach Wedge's fleets and he's surprised by their appearance, but also something just feels... Off about them to him.
0: Han wants to go to Coruscant and look for Leia, but can't just leave the people here. He makes as much room on the Falcon as he can to carry the wounded. There are 15 total ships still working on Skip One, which is better than Han expected. Han plans to be in the first wave of ships that leave. He tells Lando what Blue said, and Lando offers to double runs so Han can get to Leia. Han calls Lando a good friend.
1: I, I think I said before that I think this author did a good job of characterization in this book. I think she does a really good job of haunting and Lando's interactions in this book. Yeah. I think that might be the strongest point, and I wish they were around each other more often. Yeah. The thern bee licks Luke, and a picture then forms in Luke's mind. It's one of confusion and loneliness. It misses sunlight, and it wonders why others keep hurting him. And Luke realizes the thern bee is psychic and sending these pictures to him, which is really cool. Bizarre. Luke sends back a message of breaking the splinters and then pulls the one out of the creature's paw. Luke learns that it actually persists eat veggies, and that's three times smaller than it should be. And it's slowly starving to death, which is so heartbreaking.
0: These things remind me of Hork-Bajir. Yeah, you're right. From the animals, It's like a Hork-Bajir
1: that's Rancor-sized. Yeah.
0: But, like, you look at them and you think, well, these are machines of death. But really, they're just like that so that they can strip and eat the bark off of trees. Yeah. Luke wants to help the Thernby escape, but it doesn't fully trust Luke. So he sends images of times he's helped others, and the Thernbee accepts this. It helps Luke climb out of the cage. He takes care of the guards and opens the cage, and the Thernbee exits.
1: Yay. Wedge observes the battle, and he wants to just be back in his ship again. Of course. He also thinks that this is all of Kuler's ships, so he commits his entire fleet to the fight.
0: A gladiator droid finds three PO. It's part of the security force known as the Red Terror. What a name. 3 tries to lie and says that he's visiting his place of origin. It's something all protocol droids do every 100 years if they haven't had their memory wiped. But the gladiator droid knows 3PO is lying since this place hasn't been here for 100 years. 3 is grabbed and taken to get his memory wiped.
1: It was a worthy effort.
0: Yeah, he gave it the good college try.
1: Someone is putting pictures in Leia's mind, leading her on, and she's not sure who's doing this. She just knows they are from Kula, clearly. She then finds a giant white fruit creature with Luke, and Leia realizes the images are coming from this creature. Luke looks terrible. He says that Kula wants to kill them. So, I've said multiple times, I think this author is very good at writing these characters. But one thing she fails at really badly is reunion scenes.
0: Yeah, seriously.
1: Han and Lando's was far and away the best, because it was a very flippant scene between the two of them. Some rescue.
0: Like... You you have to keep in mind that Leia resigned her position as chief of state to go off She's after Luke. She's risking everything. And she arrives to find him, and they're both just like, hey.
1: And like, Luke hey. looks terrible. He's in t- terrible shape. She doesn't try to, like... There's no, like, great hug or moment of just like, oh, I'm so happy to see you. They're like, oh, no, you look
0: terrible. What happened? Are you okay? Like... And there's no, like, Leia, why are you here? You're in danger. Like, there's there's just sort of, they just sort of, like, sit there together for a moment. And then they're like, well, I guess we should leave. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> so weird.
1: <laughs> it's so unfortunate. that if, I feel like if the author wrote reunions as well as she writes characters, this would have been a phenomenal scene. Yeah. Luke tells the third B2, go home, and then the twins head for Leia's ship.
0: R2 finds a room filled with older astromechs from R1s to R7s. The floor catapults R2 forward, and he lands in the middle of a junk heap for unwanted droids.
1: ruh <laughs> Han and Chewie fly the Falcon carefully since it's filled with so many injured. They contact the planet Rhea since it's close to the run, and Han tells them what happened, and they agree to take the injured. He then checks his messages. Several of them are from Leia, but none recently. Anakin has sent him the most recent message. He says something bad happened, but he can't ta- get to Mama or Uncle Luke. He also says that he's been having dreams of a dead man, and Han's like, Ooh, this is for stuff. Oh, boy.
0: Han calls Leia on Coruscant, but Mon Mothma answers and pulls him in on everything that's happened. Han asks how things are there. Mon Mothma says the Imperials want to arrest Han for treason. There's also a message from Luke telling her to shut down all droids. So they did, though though she's thinking of turning them back on. Han tells her not to. He asks Mon Mothma to help coordinate helping the injured on Smuggler's Run, and she agrees.
1: Han then calls Anakin back and asks what's going on. And Anakin says he can't find Mama. And Han says, she's okay. She's just on a trip. Anakin says she's gone to see the dead man. And he then says the dead man has come to Anakin in his dreams and says he's going to get them. Han says they're safe on and off. And the twins show up and he refuses them too because they've all been getting this message from Kuler. And This actually, I think, apart from the bombings, Kuler's most effective use of terror, I think, is on these kids.
0: Yeah. Like... I just sort of wish we could see it more firsthand.
1: Yeah. Like, this is a really sweet scene, but we just, there's almost nothing of the kids in this book.
0: Yeah. Afterwards, Han tells Chewie to contact Card and Mara. He needs their help.
1: Are you happy to see Mara come up?
0: Yes. I mean, she she came up kind of earlier in the book also.
1: Right. But what, I mean, like. Like she's actually like going to be involved. Yeah.
0: R2 didn't sustain any real damage from being thrown. He talks to the other droids, and some of them have been here for years. The others clear a path for R2. He also convinces any of them with a detonator in them to get rid of it. He gets to the door and opens it, along with several other astromechs, but members of the Red Terror are there.
1: The Falcon and Wildcard meet up at Almania. The battle isn't going well for the Republic, and Mara transfers from the Wildcard over to the Falcon, and she brings some Isolamiri with her. And Card mentions to Han that she's been having dreams. And Card says, I'm beginning to think the phrase, may the force be with you, is a curse.
0: Yeah, seems right. As soon as they were like, we brought some Ysala Miri, I was like, oh, that's a good plan. Yeah. But don't worry, it won't matter. It will.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to an extent. And, well, one thing, like we've said before, like a lot of recent authors have struggled what to do with Han. This is a, one of the better Han books we've read. Yeah, yeah, far and away.
0: It has at least felt like he's had initiative. Yeah.
1: Like, he goes to Spug goes run. He gets the Isolamiri. He's trying yeah. to do things. Yeah. It doesn't always work, but he's trying. Yeah.
0: Han is, apparently, still not a big fan of Mara, given her past, and asks why she really came. She asks him if he knows how many have died in the last few weeks, and he says, enough. She says, too many. Kuler is using people's deaths to build his strength. And she hasn't felt power like this since Palpatine.
1: <sighs>
0: Let's not get into it again.
1: I mean, the one thing I'll say for this is I, I appreciate there's a reason for this power. He's using the deaths of others to get stronger. Yeah. He's not just naturally like this. He didn't just train to get like this. He's using an artificial outside means to increase his dark side level. Yeah. And that's the one reason why he kind of works for me. If not for that detail, he would not work at all.
0: Mm. Han believes the solemn area will give him an advantage over
1: Kuehler. Kuehler's Star Destroyers are doing better than he'd hoped. He got them primarily for show. And he's told the Falcon Wildcard had been spotted and he ordered them destroyed. And again, I'm reminded of Kylo Ren. Blow that ship out of the sky!
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and then Finn's like, man, they hate that ship.
0: <laughs> hate those ships in particular.
1: Kuehler is a little worried that the droids didn't explode, but he'll figure that out later. For now, he's off to deal with Luke and Leia.
0: Cole feels stupid. Of course, Brackus knew about the detonators.
1: Yeah, Cole, this was... A,
0: I feel yeah. bad for Cole. He's just, you know... Just how far boy. He doesn't have a lot of experience, and so he thinks he's doing the right thing. He's like, listen, dude, somebody is sabotaging your droids. And then five seconds later, Brackus is like, it's me! Hi! I'm the baddie! <laughs> I <I'm> have the problem! <laughs> Brackis brings Cole to a torture droid he calls Eve. Which, I feel like we've talked about this a little bit before. But, like, this falls under the same category of, like, me being a little weirded out every time somebody in Star Wars says, like, I'll see you in hell or go to hell.
1: This one actually, I think there's a better reasoning behind it, though. Yeah. The droid's full name.
0: Yeah. But, to me, it feels like a pointed, like... I don't know, reference to, like, Eve of Adam yeah. and Eve of Christianity.
1: <laughs> I, I, I agree, but uh, this feels less of a feel because of, of what the droid's full yeah. designation is.
0: Brackis wants to know why Cole is here, so he instructs the droid to not kill Cole. The droid hates easy tasks and tells Brackis <laughs> to do it himself. She introduces herself as EV ninety 92 Her prototype, EV 99 worked for Jabba, and she's twice as ruthless as that one.
1: EB99 is the torture droid we see in Return of the Jedi. Yeah.
0: Brackus asks Cole how useful he is to Luke, and Cole says he's just Luke's mechanic. Barely. Yeah. (laughs) Eve grabs Cole. He says that she grabbed his pleasure centers, basically, like trying to trick her into, like, letting him go. smart. She loosens her grip and he runs, but Brackus is uh, quick on the draw
1: and electrocutes him. He's got some Dark side energy going there. Yeah. For someone who doesn't want to use the Force, you're. Going to the Force very quickly.
0: Yeah. I imagine the Force is like a reflex sometimes. Yeah. Like, it must be very hard if you're somebody who is at all, like, reasonably Force-sensitive to... I mean, I imagine it's like if, if you're right-hand dominant, just telling yourself not to use your right hand. Yeah.
1: Or, like, as we've seen whenever these Isolamira used for, like, Luke or anyone else's Force-sensitive, how blind they feel when it's just suddenly gone. Yeah. Luke and Leia get to the ship, but Kuler is there waiting for them. Han can't find Leia's ship in the fight, and Mara says they haven't seen it since they arrived.
0: 3PO is with the Red Terror as an army of astromechs rolls forward, overwhelming them. After being freed, he says they need to help Cole.
1: I love this moment. It's so <laughs> it's stupid. an army of astromechs. <laughs> but sometimes stupid in Star Wars just really works. Yeah. And this is one of those moments for me. It's just absurd and ridiculous, and I love it. Luke calls Leia's lightsaber to him, and the fight begins because he is, of course, the better duelist than Leia. Even though he's so broken. Leia fires her blaster, but Kuler deflects the shots.
0: Kuler's soldiers don't seem to care if they live or die in the fight. Wedge orders his ships to fire at each other, but barely miss, including the wild card who has joined the fight, and Card is not happy about being fired upon. Wedge also is not explaining to anybody why he's making these orders, so he has, um his entire bridge kind of on the verge of mutiny. The Ties do stop firing at them, and Wedge is like, my plan is working.
1: Yeah, the, the reason why he realizes this, he's like, you know, this is, you know, Thrawn couldn't do this, Palpatine couldn't do like, no, Dala couldn't do this, no one we face has been able to just convince their soldiers to throw their lives away like this with wild abandon. Something is off here.
0: Except for the Yvethra. Well, they're weird. <laughs> they're different. No,
1: Imper- no Imperial, I think is probably his thought. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Han exits the falcon carrying one of the lizards while Mara keeps her distance because, again, she's is force-sensitive and she does not like being around these things. Yeah. A large creature shows up and eats the Isalamiri that Han is carrying.
0: Not only the Isolamiri, but the cage that it's in. Just it everything. It eats the whole thing. Chewie
1: also has one. It eats the one that Chewie's carrying. Han wants to shoot the creature, but Chewie stops him. Han's like, what's going on? <laughs> they then hear Leia scream and they run for her. And the creature follows them. Leia then yells Luke's name in a way that makes Han relays they are too late.
0: Leia sees a look pass over Luke, the same look she saw on Ben's face before he died. Luke raises his lightsaber as Leia yells for him.
1: Kula's story destroyers flank Wedge's ship in a defensive formation and is like, yes, my plan worked. He then points out precise places for his gutters to fire at. They make the sh- shots and Kuler's feet is destroyed because, of course, they were all droids. Mm-hmm.
0: Luke knows he will come back stronger and guide Leia to defeating Kylo. He's ready to die, but then suddenly he can't feel the Force and
1: stumbles back. I really like this moment that Luke is like, "All right, I'm going to do what Obi Wan did, but I'm going to do even more. I will help my sister defeat the villain." And I actually like this plan. Yeah. And then it's like, wait, no, the Force is gone. It's not going to work. <laughs> not good. Not good.
0: keeler feels like he's going through mud. At first, he thinks it's Luke doing this, but then realizes that it isn't. His lightsaber feels heavy, so he drops it. He has one final trick up his sleeve.
1: Reminds me of Din struggling with the darksaber. Yeah. R2 gets to a terminal, and he sees his activation code being sent out. So he sends out the counter code, but he needs 3PO to push the button. So 3PO does, and they stop all the explosions.
0: The third B then shows up to the lightsaber fight. Leia gets her blaster and shoots Kuler. He raises his hand to ward the shot off, but it doesn't work, and he is knocked over. Leia then shoots him again. Leia goes up to him and takes off his mask. He's really just a boy, like late teens, early 20s.
1: Cole's age, probably.
0: Yeah. Han says he would have helped if the creature hadn't eaten the lizards. (laughs)
1: Leia says that it still works.
0: The droids chase Brachus to his ship, and he leaves Telty. They also find Cole. He's in rough shape, but at least he's alive.
1: With Leia and the fleet victorious, the Senate support for her has returned, even from the former Imperials. Mon Moth someone also got Mito off the inner council while Leia was gone, because Mon Moth was good at this stuff. Yeah, Chewbacca was able to reunite the Aethernby with its own kind, so yay for that.
0: The Senate Hall is back open for business, and the fleet is returning to older model X-Wings. Leia will finally give her speech that was interrupted by the bombing, and it will be different than the one that she was planning to give. This one will be focused on unity and respect.
1: Ending the book. So what'd you
0: think? uh i don't know it's like a solid just sort of middle of the road kind of thing for me i'm just like sort of like making gestures with my hands like i don't really know what to say about this i just i felt a lot a similar thing that i felt in the black fleet crisis which is that someone would have a plan to do something and instead of letting that plan like come to fruition the author would interfere with something else. Like the easy example is just the Thern be turning up and like eating the you Mary. Granted, it it still sort of worked, but like I wanted, I, I did want Han to have his moment of
1: victory. It took some agency away from him a little bit.
0: Yeah, it kind of bothered me. And then like Mara is just sort of there. Though they do talk later, it's really funny about how, like, the entire flight back to Coruscant, her and Luke and Leia are just, like, playing hollow chess in the lounge, just, like, basically car sick the entire time because of the Salamiri that are in the Thurnby that they're also transporting. <laughs> so that was funny. But I, I don't know. What did you think
1: of this? So I agree with you. I consider this and the Black Fleet Crisis on pretty much equal footing. Neither one is spectacular, but neither one is terrible either. They both have some really interesting ideas, but the execution just is lacking at times. Like, again, I think certain ideas about Kewler, about the droid plan, I think they could have worked if. I, I think they're very good ideas, but the execution just wasn't there for them.
0: I think it almost would have been more interesting if Kewler's whole thing was much less force focused. Like, maybe he was a kind of mediocre student at Luke's Academy, and when he left, he realized that really the only way he could take vengeance for his family's deaths was to do this whole droid plan instead of, like, really gaining power in the Force.
1: In some ways, I almost feel like you could cut the Force aspect out entirely. Yeah. The book changes a little bit. Like, you can't terrorize the children, which is a a really effective moment, but
0: but it's just one moment in a 530 page book. Like yeah. we could have stood to like cut some stuff out here
1: and add other things in.
0: And I didn't feel like Luke's connection to Dolph really made me care more about the conflict between them because it's so like, we've never met Dolph before this book, you know? Yeah.
1: So as I've said, one of the strengths of this book is characterization specifically Han, Luke lay and Lando for whatever reason, Han in particular has been difficult for a lot of authors to crack and I thought Rush just wrote him very well.
0: Yeah. I'm going to add somebody to this list who I would usually never, never mention in a positive way. 3PO? 3PO. Like for once in this book, I felt like I finally understood 3PO. Yeah. Because the author wrote him in this way where um, you see a little bit more from his perspective. You see him acting like a bumbling idiot, but it's in the service of like Protecting R2 while R2 does something important. Or, like, yeah, like the whole thing when they were in the Senate hall where they shouldn't have been and poking around. Like, 3PO is running interference for R2. 3PO came off to me as, like, very clever in this book multiple times. And every time I was like, (laughs) if this was the version of the droid that I usually got, I would not complain about him so much. (laughs) So I really liked that take on 3PO.
1: I think to me, the weakest part of this book was probably Kuler and the overall conflict. I think he could have been a very interesting villain, but he ends up just being on the long list of forgettable 90s villains for me.
0: Yeah. And like, please never compare him to Palpatine again.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But one thing I do have to say about Kuler, while he's not a great villain... One thing I really appreciate about him is his age. So often, villains in Star Wars are not just old, but they're practically decaying. I think Palpatine, both in 6 and in Episode 9, even more so. Yeah. It's nice to see a young man as the villain, one who looks like a kid. It shows that evil can come from anyone, and Star Wars isn't always great about showing that aspect. So I really like that part about him.
0: Yeah, I do feel like Star Wars often waits, like, the plucky young hero against the... Decrepit old,
1: even villain Vader at the end of six looks just so old and haggard. He's not that old, looks frankly. At like a at that wrinkly point. egg. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, at that point, he should really only be in his like late forties. Yeah, of course. Like, what what happens to you when your you know former mentor slash best friend cuts off three of your limbs and leaves you to burn <laughs> in the <laughs>
1: lava pit? And I think it is. I'm not too bothered by the fact that the dark side can corrupt what you are, mm-hmm. but it's still, it's nice to see someone who is so fresh-faced and young-looking.
0: You know it would be more interesting sometimes? If the dark side did the opposite the way that some magic systems do. Like, you hear a lot about, like, witches like from their power almost. rejuvenate themselves.
1: I feel like we saw something actually in Rise of Skywalker when Palpatine was drawing the essence out of Ben and Rey. We saw a little of that. Like, yeah. he still looks really old, but he's no longer rotting at that point.
0: It just, it would be funny to me if one of the, like, one of the seductions of the dark side, so to speak, is that, like, instead of just, like, potentially granting you immortality or living forever, it also made you, like, look
1: beautiful (laughs) forever. So, I like the idea of using the droids and ships as explosives as a super weapon, but the timing that's done of only two years seems just rushed. Also, I totally get why Kula One people to think the Empire was the threat, and not him. But putting the Imperial insignia on the detonators felt like they were asking to be found. And I'm not sure why I prefer it instead, but something more subtle.
0: Yeah. I mean, the idea of, like, imitating the Empire to kind of, like, spook the New
1: Republic. On board. Like, not, the, the Star stories terrible. at the end, that's fine. But the insignia on the detonators, it, to me, is it's a step a too bit, far. Yeah,
0: like, it's it's really... It's not like the Empire slapped their insignia on every tiny little piece of whatever they they put together, you know? Yeah. Like, usually a big symbol on the outside at the end. Fine. But.
1: And then, like you said earlier, the timing just, it's, a couple of years is too quickly for this much turnover of all the droids.
0: Yeah. Even, like, this is one of those, like, ubiquitous problems in Star Wars, so I'm not blaming the author solely. Time is always weird. T- not only time, but scale yeah like it's it's always kind of a trip to me to imagine that at the time of like episode one, there are only ten thousand Jedi in the entire galaxy, and like my impression is that the galaxy is huge and mm-hmm. there's a lot of habited places in the galaxy, so those ten thousand jedi you're describing like I, it, it's a tiny percentage of the overall population oh, yeah. of the galaxy so I don't know. Like the manufacture of that many droids in such a short time coming only off of Telty the moon. I think part of it is that like we just have a hard time and even imagining things on that on a galactic scale. Yeah. Like
1: I, I think one of the things that actually works is when Namco says the entire moon is dedicated to this. Yeah. And also, I get the impression. Kula wasn't doing this in the entire galaxy, but he was targeting specific areas. Yeah. Which makes a little more sense, but he had specific
0: like, subcontracts.
1: But like, <laughs> why would everyone on the moon of Pydea replace their droids within a two-year span? That yeah. that's where I'm re- that's where it falls apart the most for me. Yeah. Like, are a lot of the more richer and Pydeers want to be rich going to? Yes, but not every single last one of them. Mm-hmm. So that that to me is the bigger issue of the timing is the replacement less than the and uh, not the the making of
0: I also just didn't think it should have been as elegant as it was. Yeah,
1: it felt a little too, it felt too clean until Smuggler's run.
0: Yeah, like, you can replace everybody's droids, but the likelihood that they're all going to be standing near, a like, with Pydeer. Uh, the likelihood that they're all going to be standing close enough to a droid to be affected, but not also cause, like, wide-scale structural damage.
1: And, like, there was some, like, especially on Skip 1, I think is where we saw the most of that. Yeah. We saw some in the Senate Hall.
0: But on Piety or like Luke just walked into a pretty intact house. Yeah, it's just it is very weird. I don't know. I I just feel like if this, you know, if I ever do a reread of the EU, which honestly, where my life is at now, I can't I simply can't imagine ever Give doing, it a decade or two ever doing such a thing. This would be one that I would skip. Yeah, it's not terrible. No,
1: but it's not truly great or memorable either.
0: Yeah. And, like, while the characterizations were all pretty good, I would have preferred to cut down on the point of view characters, like, quite a bit. Because I feel like that's one of the things that led to how bloated it was as a book.
1: But, at least, other than Kuler and a little bit of Femon early on, there wasn't a ton of new character point of views. Like, that's been one issue with a lot of authors. I have many new OCs, I'm glaring at you right now, Zon. <laughs> <laughs> that must-get point of views. <laughs>
0: yeah but i didn't mind that i felt like they served the story yeah i didn't always feel like these ones like
1: Fiamon especially could been just cut entirely
0: yeah but i also feel like along three different avenues we discovered the truth like we had the droid plot we had the han plot and we had the leia slash luke kind of plot. And I feel like from three different directions, they all sort of figured out the truth from three different sources. And it's
1: nice that they did. I like that they all got that. But
0: I feel like we didn't need that many, we didn't need that much repetition.
1: Yeah. So the whole thing I want to say is, I actually learned a very important lesson in this book when I was a kid. Oh. So when I was a kid, I had the habit of reading multiple books at the same time. And when I was a kid, there was a time period where I actually would read multiple Star Wars books at once. So I, I have this very distinct memory I was rereading the Thrawn Trilogy when I got this book. So I it was probably Dark Force Rising, I think, is the one I was reading. Put that down. I picked this up. I started reading it. When you read two Star Wars books at the same time, certain details start kind of merging. crossing over and merging. <clears throat> and the explosion in the set all happens in this book. And I'm like, wait, Leia's pregnant. What, what about the kids? How are they okay? <laughs> so I learned a very important lesson. Don't read two Star Wars books at the same time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would honestly, I I know that some people do this, but I've never been able to do that. Like, I've never been able to read multiple books at the same time. I know that some people will read a nonfiction book and a fiction book at the same time, which makes more sense to me. Or, like, a poetry book and a fiction book or whatever. But, like, two fiction books at the same time, especially if they're just in similar genres, seems like a recipe for confusion. (laughs) It was.
1: All right. Now that our discussion on the New Rebellion has completed... Let's look to the future and talk about how this book might impact things going forward. Okay. First up, when and where will we see Brackus again?
0: Can you define the where part of this? Like, are you asking me about a specific planet he'll be on? or Book. Like, situationally?
1: Yeah, like, what books or series do you think he might pop up again?
0: Am I supposed to know what books or series are coming? Or, like, just general...
1: Sure, like, you know, like... Kyrillian trilogy coming up, Pan of Thrawn, Duilogy, Young and Junior Jayanites, New Jedi Order, those are some of the big ones that are on the horizon. Eventually, Legacy of the Forest, Fate of the Jedi.
0: I mean, I know very little about all of those things. And the stuff that I know about them, I almost don't see Brachus fitting in anywhere.
1: Okay. So do you think we won't ever see him again then? <laughs> the droids just chase him off into oblivion.
0: He feels like a dead end. Okay. At least in this book he didn't feel like he was really acting of his own accord like it, w- it was like mostly manipulation by Dolph slash Kuler I guess I could imagine at some future point that like he would try to corrupt people from Luke's temple like make another play at Luke I guess but I think I'm actually going to go with we will never see him again.
1: Okay. <laughs> Follow up to that. Can Bracus be redeemed?
0: See, my gut instinct is that we're never going to see him again, and yet I can't help but feel that you're asking these questions and therefore, like, <laughs> he must show up again. I can only do so much meta-analysis, <laughs> I guess. I, I think it would be hard to redeem him. He had a hand in, like...
1: A lot of death.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like the. the well, I mean, we. I feel like we talk about this a lot on podcast and off. But the question of like, can Vader really be redeemed?
1: All right. Well, maybe not. Uh, maybe not redeemed, but can Luke bring him back? Is that a better way to ask the question?
0: Oh, apparently Luke can bring back anybody. Okay. So sure. Okay. I mean, he clearly has cracks in the.
1: He's got a little bit of Kylo Ren in him.
0: Yeah. I, I, like, it would be more interesting to me if Brachus went away from this experience and went deeper into the dark side and patched up those cracks and became, like, perhaps a more formidable foe than Kuler was. That would be, I, I think that would be more interesting to me than having him be brought back to the light side. Just because, I don't know, bringing people back to the light side is such a tricky storyline for me. I, I find it very difficult to, like, Believe.
1: (laughs) How about Cole? We gonna see the young boy from Tatooine never again.
0: I wouldn't mind seeing him again. He was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel like I ended up liking that guy quite a bit. I don't know what place he would really have.
1: Luke's mechanic.
0: I guess that's such a like minor role.
1: (laughs) I mean, on course, I'm sure on Yavin Four probably needed.
0: Oh, fair enough. Yeah, that could be interesting. I, uh, you know. Like I'm often saying, I wouldn't say no to, like, an adventure that wasn't focused on, like, the main characters. So if Cole got into his own situation, that could be
1: fun. Will this cause any long-term anti-droid bias in the galaxy?
0: I mean, I wish. I just think that would be interesting. Okay. I know it's not their fault. I feel like we saw this a little bit with, like, the aftermath of the Clone Wars. Mm Mm-hmm but it still was never explored as much as I would have liked to see it explored.
1: And I feel like we've definitely seen it better explored in the Disney side than the EU side.
0: Yeah. I I think it would be really interesting if the galaxy suddenly like, you know, as a generally as a population started questioning, like we use these things for everything. They have access to everything. They are artificially intelligent. I don't really know how AI works in Star Wars. Obviously, like in our time right now, we're grappling with the idea of like, what does (laughs) what does AI do? What is it like? What can it do? It would be interesting if a galaxy that has used that kind of, you know, programming and hardware for so long suddenly veered sharply away from it and like what solutions they might come up with that they felt were less risky the reality is i just don't think we're going to see more than a superficial backlash against droids i mean there's already a pretty huge anti-droid bias in the galaxy in the sense that they are clearly intelligent some of them probably not all of them are
1: a battle droid i would not put on the level of say 3pr or 2
0: yeah but some of them are intelligent and yet they're subject to memory wipes like they're sentient in some way and they're slaves
1: (laughs) my we hardly knew you
0: yeah i mean god wedges biggest personality (laughs) flaw is how much he hates droids so, like there's already i I think we're gonna see like a stat- like a status quo every now and then somebody's gonna throw off a comment that maybe references the fact that they are distrustful of droids ever since one blew up in their vicinity, but it's not gonna be a big thing. Okay. Star Wars is never gonna examine that. I suddenly had a like a flash forward of imagining having said those words and eating them.
1: You might on the Disney side of things there's a a new by the time that section i have already started, a new series about droids came out this summer written by Charles Soule. Mm. And he has some thoughts on droid AI, it, apparently.
0: Like its rights or Don't know. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see. But in the context of the EU, I seriously doubt it.
1: Will Dolph be Luke's last student to fall to the dark side and threaten the galaxy?
0: So caveat. When I was looking at these questions earlier, I said, I don't feel it's fair to ask me that because I'm fairly certain I know that there is a prominent student of Luke's that falls to the dark side. And then I have a hazy memory of like maybe Luke also goes dark side to try and like help (laughs) that prominent student. I'm not saying the name, but we talked about it. Just in case anyone else is somehow mostly unspoiled the way that I am and wants to stay that way. I don't know why you would. I just think it would be so silly to have this be the last of Luke's students to fall to the dark side. You weren't that impressed by him? No. And we missed his fall. Like, I want it... (laughs) Again, I'm flashing forward and thinking I'm going to eat these words someday. I want it to hurt Luke. Okay. I want it to be agonizing, not in the way that this was, because this did not he in this one it felt like he was like, "Oh, what can you do? Sometimes they get away from you, and that's sad, and I'm upset about it, but I want him to feel his failure, the way that obi wan feels about Anakin, okay, yeah, <laughs> given what I think I know, I think he will.
1: <laughs> it's worse than you think,
0: oh, cool, great.
1: That's all I'm going to say.
0: <laughs> I like it when things are bad. <laughs> she said bravely. And people call me a masochist. Not knowing what was coming. I think we're a long way away from the thing that I'm talking about.
1: We are. Do you think the author had any idea that Luke and Mara would get together or at least shipped them?
0: You mean because she pulled Mara in?
1: And like some of the things she said, she's like, no, no, I'm not here for Luke. But it, it felt like she kind of was here for Luke. <laughs>
0: It did feel like she was there. Right? Though. But I can't tell how much of that is just me projecting. You know? Like, I I can read between lines that are so close together, there's no space in there. Like, I do it all the time, if I, if I really want to. And I know that I'm doing it. You know what has surprised me? How little Luke and Mara have been together at all since the Thrawn trilogy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I... I don't know why I expected this, because I never get what I want. (laughs) Um, I really expected there to be a longer run up to their relationship. I expected them to interact a lot more as wary allies and then slowly as deeper friends. But I, I know, like, again, spoilers for what I think I know, I guess, which could be totally untrue. I think their relationship is, like, right around the corner at this point. It happens in the Hand of Thrawn duology. And we're like,
1: this is the fourth to last book before that. But that's also not, like, two months after that. There, is, there are years in between there.
0: So you're saying that they had all this connection stuff that I'm talking about off screen? Possibly. Oh, f***
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so... I do think some of what you said has happened. It just hasn't been as much of a focus as you want it. Like, Mara popped up in most stories, at least briefly, interacted with Luke. I think the Weary Allies thing, they've definitely passed that point.
0: She has popped up in a lot of stories briefly, but rarely has she actually interacted with Luke in those stories. Like, there was a whole period of time where she's, like, just with Lando. In in a multitude of ways, not not just in the
1: just. The, there's also the business aspect. of Yeah,
0: everything. or like, I don't know. She shows up briefly to pull him off the eye of Palpatine in in I Jedi. Is mm-hmm. it in I Jedi? Yep. Yeah, she's also there. There's an Anderson book where she shows up and they go for like a
1: That's a, a like flyabout.
0: Kind of yeah. That's not enough for uh, me. Wait, that was,
1: sorry that that was not Dark Saber. Yeah, um, she and talked about it.
0: Yes, you're right. That's not. It's going to be really disappointing to me, isn't it? I'm trying to trust Zahn here. I don't need I don't need their situation to be the A plot. I really don't. But I need it to be a pretty strong B plot because what's most compelling about them to me, I'll probably say many things. I'll start that sentence many times and say many different things. But like what first brings to mind right now, what is most compelling about them to me is how we get from point A to point B where point A is I want to murder this man. And point B is I'm having his children. (laughs) Like I want to jump. I want to, I need, I think it's a compelling story, but I need evidence of how we traverse that and i like i thought we charted the first little to the first pit stop between point a and b like point a25 or whatever in the thron trilogy but i don't feel like i've seen a ton of progress since
1: then we've seen some but you're right not a ton part of it's because luke's also had clista for a oh while my God. what
0: a pointless detour
1: and the 90s to, to me mara was not the clear end game
0: yeah, I think I think that's clear.
1: As with most things in the 90s, it was the Wild West, people doing what they wanted.
0: I don't necessarily think even Zahn thought that it was.
1: Yeah, uh, end I don't game think so either. During
0: the Thrawn trilogy.
1: I think he had <clears> an inkling <throat> as it could be, but I don't think he was strongly pushing for it at the time.
0: I just. Oh, there's a particular scene in The Last Command with the two of them that really gets me
1: the final scene with the lightsaber no. no
0: it's when they're on approach to the mountain oh yes and she finally crosses a threshold of like she no longer quite wants to kill him and she trusts him enough to say if something happens to me in there if i'm manipulated i want you to kill me that sounds really horrible and kind of abusive <laughs> a little bit i feel like in, in in star wars context it makes it does more sense but like her traversing that emotional journey from i'm gonna squash this guy under my heel to i've seen enough of him to think that he will do the right thing by me like to me it was really moving but we we do need a little bit more, like we need to walk some more steps after that because a professional trust is different from a like a personal. Oh man, I've been allowed to go on way too long. Do I think that the author at least shipped them in this book? Yeah. But I think she also kind of shipped Luke and Callista. Because Callista comes up a couple of times.
1: If I remember correctly, this came out after Darksaber, but before Planet of Twilight. Mm. So that's the goodbye of Callista going off her own after Darksaber was...
0: God, this came out before Planet of Twilight. I
1: think so, I think that was 97, this was 95, 96.
0: This is confusing.
1: Imagine reading this as a kid in the 90s. I
0: can't. Glad I didn't try starting until, like, the early 2000s. Yeah. It saved myself a lot of heartache. Yes, you did. Also, I was five in 1996, so, like... I was a precocious child, but not that precocious. <laughs>
1: Will the former Imperials in the Senate work, or is it destined to continue to cause strife for the Republic going forward?
0: I think both can be true. It's definitely going to continue to cause strife. I also think it can work. Old statement. (laughs) I just think the rules that they put in place are good in terms of, like, who.
1: No stormtroopers, no former governors, etc. Yeah,
0: like, no people in serious leadership positions, because, like,
1: You don't want Tarkin showing up and being like,
0: "Yes, but like, here's the reality of I think both our world and the Star Wars world." There's this the saying that I like both because I think it's true and because it makes me feel a little better about like what I have to do in my own life. There's no such thing as conscious consumerism under capitalism. I think it's like kind of adjacent to the point that I'm trying to make, but lots of people lived under the empire
1: and worked with them.
0: Lots of people had jobs as Imperials. And if you blacklist all of those people, I mean, you can, but you don't have as much of a society left after that. And if you, if you do like, I don't love this argument because I I really wrestle with whether or not I think it's true. I there's, but there is something that feels morally wrong to me about trying to treat them the same way that they were treating you. I mean, it betrays a, like, similarity of it, ideals that is kind of troubling.
1: It's the thing you always see in like, a superhero movie. I can't kill you because that makes me as bad as you are, type thing.
0: And I think that that one is a worse version of the argument. <laughs> there are, I mean, I'm not a pacifist, you know? Like, I, I do think that there are... I do think that there are some people you know especially when we're extrapolating in like a superhero movie or a sci-fi thing people who wield such immense devastating power people like palpatine that truly deserve to die <laughs> you know yeah I think that the reality is you know yeah, this changes over time but like in our world it's a lot harder to accurately identify those people mm-hmm. And carry out justice appropriately.
1: And also, again, looking at our world, you can identify the people, but they can still be useful, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Think of post-World War II, what we did with German scientists.
0: Yeah. So, I I mean, I think that people who... uh, The Empire was a huge machine. Oh, yes. The number of people who worked directly for that government or it's military or whatever like numbers in just enormous like I, like every time i try to think about actual numbers in star wars i get a little dizzy um it's an enormous number of people i think a lot of them probably still deserve a seat
1: at the table or at least a chance to earn the seat
0: yeah i like that better actually yeah a chance to prove what they really think
1: and this idea uh, on the Disney side thinks. Is- dizzy was explored a lot in the Alphabet Squadron trilogy, in the final book specifically, mm. which I don't know you haven't read yet. But there's a scene where, ba- basically, Palpatine kept a database of everything everyone had ever done for him. Mm. So the moral quandary is: Do you release that information and try and punish those people, or do you not let that get out because a lot of them were just doing what they had to do to survive? Yeah, and it's it's that same moral quandary of what's right in the situation
0: yeah sorry i'm just thinking about what admin had to make that database for him (laughs) how did he how did he collect that data
1: droids right can you trust that data is the other question oh yeah yeah
0: for sure i mean to some extent like all data is skewed right like even if it's not palpatine collecting it final question
1: Will Smuggler's Run ever be operational again?
0: Smuggler's Run isn't a place; it's an idea. It's an idea. <laughs> <laughs> it lives in your heart. I like that. So yes, I do think it will be operational again. I think they're going to have to move because now, like, I feel like a lot more people know it was there
1: than did before. Well, like they knew it was there, it was just it was really hard to get to because it was in the asteroid field, etc.
0: But now, I th- I think the explosions probably. Disrupted a lot of that, probably. Um, and probably made it uninhabitable in some situations uh, on some asteroids. But yeah, I'm. I, I feel, I feel like it. Uh, it's an idea, and it can move.
1: <laughs>
0: that wraps up
1: the new rebellion. Next up, we'll be discussing the next short story in Tales from Jaws Palace: Old Friends, Mon's tale Written by Kenneth C. Flint. You can look forward to that coming out on August 20th.
0: Thanks to Thomas for editing.
1: And thanks to Crystal for your crazy idea.
0: And thanks to you for listening. You can email us at tk331podcast at gmail.com if you want to weigh in on the debate about dark side versus light side. And you can follow us on Twitter at tk331podcast. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, a family member, and remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast reviewing platform of your choice.
1: And now here it is, the of Star Wars.
0: Kyler sat up and Leia shot him one more time. He fell back, the device falling out of his hand. She crossed the tile, the heavy feeling growing stronger with each movement. Leia! Luke was beside her now. He took the blaster from her. She could feel his concern. Had she shot Kuler out of hatred and anger? Probably. Would she be going to the dark side now? She didn't know. She couldn't feel the Force at all anymore. Maybe it didn't count if she couldn't feel the Force.